Show. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. Hope you're doing well out there and uh, all across the World Wide Web. As always, we've got a barn burner of a show for you guys today. Holy moly, I don't even know what, I don't know how we pulled this stuff off. It's unbelievable. In a few minutes, we're going to be joined by like... I got to say, the hottest guy, the hottest driver in NHRA Funny Car Competition, the one, the only Bob Tasca. A little uh, later in the show, I believe about 235, 245, we're going to be joined by Top Fuel's Top Fuel superstar, Antron Brown. And then immediately following that, we'll hear from fresh-faced, no-prep newcomer, Marty Robertson. And I believe to round out the show, we're kind of doing a little dance right now to see if we can do it in about an hour, an hour and a half. We will hear from the most recent winner on the NHRA Promod Drag Racing Series. Excuse me, the Fuel Tech NHRA Promod Drag Racing Series presented by D-Wagon, Justin Bond, who crushed them this past weekend at Heartland Park, Topeka. Uh, as always, action-packed show for you guys. But first and foremost, I want to do what I always do and tell you guys thanks for being here. Seriously, I, we cannot do this without you. It's an honor every Wednesday afternoon to be able to check in with all of y'all, uh, talk about drag racing, gather around the sports water cooler and share thoughts, feelings, uh, insights, opinions, and everything in between. We, we really we feel genuinely privileged to get to do this, and we can't do it without each and every one of you guys. So thank you so much for being here, giving us your time. If you uh, don't mind, click like, click share, click subscribe. If you're watching along on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel. We're dropping stuff all the time. And of course, if you're watching on Facebook or on dragillustrated.com, listening via iTunes, thanks for being here. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, anything that you can do. Uh, you'd be blown away how much a difference it makes. Uh, guys, let's get right into it. Uh, I want to hear from my, my partners in crime here. What's going on, Mike Carpenter? What's up, Hudson? What's up, What's, up? What's up, man? We got JT, JT McAfee's in the house today. Yeah, I'm going to make yeah, him I'm doing the real quick. Thing. Hold on. Ready? This <laughs> dude has go. got a Woo! sleeveless tank top. Yeah. A sleeveless hoodie? A sleeveless yeah. hoodie. sleeveless hoodie, Keep your man. body warm. Yeah. Guns chilled. Yeah, man. Sun's out, guns out. You know what I say, right? I looked all through my closet for some schmediums to wear specifically today to kind of rival T, but it didn't work out. This is actually yeah. an XL. <laughs> Believe it or not, this is an XL. I know you guys probably think that a, an XL would just gobble me up. You know, I'm so lean and mean. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. an XL typically just it's like a trash bag, you know, but this one I actually unfortunately feel fill out. They got to like well. they got to like uh cut back on on tents that they make to, to, to make me something you know like, <laughs> oh, they run out of fabric aren't you down like 20 or 30 pounds though yeah 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 man what so what's the secret this ought to be good Summertime. chicken wings Summertime. oh yeah just no you just drink and you skip your meal no I don't know. <laughs> man if that was the case you'd be like some kind of diet revolution steps in when i'm when i'm at a bar talking you do I, just, I run hot laps around yeah. from table to table to table to table you, know, you do. <laughs> and you're typically carrying a good amount of weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two, three drinks at once. Yeah, exactly. You know, two yeah. for yourself. And you're typically offering one up to someone else. You know, yep. you're, you're a caring guy. You're a giver. I am. I am. Try, try this. Know? Try this. Try this. Try this. Yeah. Don't, don't pull that on me in Indy. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> JT feed me drinks is, is bad news. That's but we're all going to be the whole gang is going to be there at Indy. Let's talk about the schedule. Why don't we, why don't we like, just put our booth in the JW Marriott lounge? We should. That's Are you talking about good. for PRI? No, that's PRI. Yeah. I'm talking about PRI, in a couple yeah. weeks. Oh, yeah. JT, I don't think he's still wrapped his head around the fact that he's going to the U.S. Yeah. Nationals. Yeah. This is a big deal for you. Yeah. You've never been to the U.S. Nationals? I think this nope. is like, golly, it's probably coming up on 20 years straight that I've been going to this race. That's, That's unbelievable. Crazy. It really it's is. Long we time. got big news. Let's we we I thought we talked about it last week, but we got big news. Did in did, Indy? Have we made this public? I don't, I don't know. know. Have we so. made this official announcement? No, I don't think so. Let's make it. Okay, let's do it. Hey guys, yeah. this is a big deal. If you live in the greater Indianapolis area, this is an even bigger deal. But we have been invited to broadcast a, an episode of the show Wednesday, August thirty first, two thousand twenty two. We're going to be touching base with y'all live from John Forrest Racing in Brownsburg, Indiana. They're going to bring us in, set us up in the museum area upstairs. Uh, our friends at Peak Antifreeze made this deal happen. Uh, Brian Bolander and company, Sarah there at JFR, reached out to us and said, hey, we want you to do the show the week of the U.S. Nationals, the granddaddy of them all. We want you to do it live from our shop. And, of course, we were all ears, and we have – uh, we've ordered some equipment. We're doing all sorts of different things, but we cannot wait. If you guys are in the area, we'd love to see you. Uh, we will be in Indy for like a full-on week. I think we're going to be there for seven straight days from Tuesday to basically Tuesday. Uh, can't wait for it. This is an event. If you haven't been to the NHRA U.S. Nationals, I don't get a cutback, uh, kickback on tickets. I believe I should, but it is a special one. I, I think Mike will attest to this. It's one of the few drag races that you go to where you really immediately appreciate the, sever the the rich history, the tradition that is this event. Um, you can see it on every racer's face. You can roll through the pits, and, and it extends to the teams, the crews, the wives, the husbands, the daughters, the sons. Everybody that is on the property there at Lucas Oil Raceway at Indianapolis can kind of sense the severity, the gravity of the of the situation that is the NHRA U.S. Nationals. There, People talk about it losing its luster. I, I, I disagree. I, I think that that event... It, you can come at almost anything with that opinion. If you want to be negative, you can be negative. You know, maybe it's whatever, not what you remember in 1975. But I'm telling you, it's the biggest drag race on the planet and, Earth. And, and you all can the lead sense up. it. All the lead yes, up to man. it, too. And like this thing that we're doing, and um, this is part of a bigger thing that John Force Racing is doing, having the media out for like a, a, a invite only private tour, uh, really taking care of the media. And then we're going to kind of cap that day. And stay tuned. We may have more announcements coming down the pipe too of, of other things we're doing at indy all yeah, about dude. teasers aren't you mike i yeah, love doing man. some teasers man <laughs> mike <laughs> eat this yeah. shit off with yeah. a fork and spoon the, the celebrity <laughs> treatment mike's here for it man. yeah if anything <laughs> anything you can do to get or receive celebrity treatment <laughs> we're, we're it, it really is an amazing thing i want to be uh i mean let's you don't want me to get all emotional here but i will be honest jt i don't know that when you and i ever you know, dreamt this deal up and we were going live from an iPhone, right? Um, going live from an iPhone that was literally duct taped to a box of magazines, a box of Drag Illustrated. I don't know that we ever thought that it would evolve and mature into what we're doing right now. Um, when I say things, I believe that this is a very, very significant platform in the sport of drag racing. And the fact that John Force Racing's ringing our phone saying, hey, we want you to come here. We want you... Huge moment. Congratulations to our whole team at Drag Illustrated. We've been on this grind for, for 16 years. I think sometimes we're, we're often 
you know, we internally are often reminded of just how long this deal has been going on. But I do think there are plenty of people that are relatively. We used to be uh, the young guys. Now we're now we're like middle aged. I know. Maybe on really, the downside of this. New story. subject. New yeah. subject. <laughs> but I mean, if you think about when this magazine started, you guys, when this whole project started, I mean, we were we were working out of a chicken coop. Quite literally, uh, the the kitchen table at my parents' house. I mean, there's been some really dark days. Uh, you know, not. I mean, specifically early on, those early moments. I mean, it was. We didn't know if we were going to be able to print the next issue. We would go from one to next with both fingers and toes crossed, like holy crap! I mean, we need so many things to go right in order to keep doing this. We only and recently got out of that in the last couple of years. To be here now, <laughs> right? oh dude, to be here now and to be uh, invited to John Forrest Racing, I don't even know that I fully appreciate it. You know, like I think maybe at some point in the future we'll be able to look back and go. Because in these moments, it's really difficult to kind of, it's like we don't take enough time to celebrate these little wins, right? I mean, and we're reminded all the time, especially the year that we've had in 2022 with all these racers and legends that we've lost. I think this is like a public service announcement to the racing community that, man, you go a couple rounds on Sunday afternoon or Saturday night, crack open a cold one, man. You, you never know. And you just, uh, we're so blessed to get to do this. I truly believe that drag racing is something that we get to do. It's, uh, I wake up and I, I literally, I took my son, I, I got to tell you this. I took my son to the rocket league. I am not sure how many people watching this are familiar with rocket league. I know Mike knows what I'm talking about. JT, are you familiar with rocket I saw, league? I, I saw you uh, talk about it. Okay. So yeah. rocket league is a video game. I mean, it's it's a very, very, very popular video game. And they had the Rocket League World Championships this weekend in Fort Worth, Texas. So stayed home from the races and took my little boy. He's not so little anymore. He's about six foot tall. It's unbelievable. He started yeah, high school he's, today. He's about as tall. He's taller than you are. He's about as tall as I am. Oh, he's taller than I am by a lot. And uh, I mean, he started high school today, but he wanted to go to this Rocket League Championship deal so bad. So I stayed home this weekend, went to the Rocket League Championship. And when we were driving to the to the to the event, Dickie's Arena, it's about, I don't know, two miles from where I sit right now. He was giddy excited. Right. I mean, he was like, I've never seen him so excited, to be honest. I mean, 14 years this kid's been in my life, you know, and I've never seen him as like revved up as he was to go to this event. And as we were driving to, to the Dickie's Arena, I looked at him and I said, I want you to know that the way you feel right now is the way I feel every weekend when I go to the racetrack. Like I am, I can love you tell, drag racing. Can you help me explain this to your mother? Yes. So that she'll understand. <laughs> I told him, I said, this, <laughs> the way you feel right now where you're like antsy and you're smiling and you don't know why, that's how I feel when I smell race fuel. That's how I feel when I smell traction compound. That's how I feel when I, when I walk through the gates of a, a racetrack and I see my brothers and sisters in arms. Like this is, I'm that excited about drag racing and to think about being able to do this for a living, talk about drag racing for a living. Uh, we're blessed and I don't care where you fit in the sport, whether you're a talking head like us, a member of the media, you're a part of the industry because you own a business or you work at one of these incredible businesses that exist in this space, or you've got a race car or you're a weekend warrior, wherever it is a privilege and an honor to go drag racing. There are people all around the world that don't have clean drinking water and we're like pissed off about the rollout in the left lane. Right. So we're a very, very, very lucky group of people. And to be here for this long, uh, man, it's a legit pinch me moment. You know what I mean? And I, and I got to be honest with you guys. We're just getting started. I mean, I know we've been 16 years along. We've been doing this for a hot minute, a decade and a half. But I feel like 
Dominoes are starting to fall. A lot of the things that I've been dreaming about for years and years and years are starting to materialize. The stuff that we've got coming up in 2023 is going to change our industry. It's an exciting time, man. It really yep. is. Oh, yeah. Nicole Clark's Amen, in the brother. comments right now. I've been told not to go down uh, the rabbit hole of replying to every comment because I'm really bad about that. But yeah. Nicole Clark is in the comments right now saying Rocket League is huge. The women's team from Pittsburgh was at the PRI grand opening. They were. It's an amazing thing, man. I was that that event what they sold 13,000 tickets sold out on Saturday to come watch these kids play a video game. For like a $2 million that prize. That deal is huge, man. I'm trying to groom my kid to just focus on that. I think that's that's Dude, a that's a viable career option in the future. It really is, man. Right One now. of the kids that were playing on a in, in like the top 6 teams was 15 years old. And he's out there competing with two other dudes for $2 million playing a video game. And it was, I was blown away, man. Pep Boys was there. They had like a cool display and they had, they were giving out t-shirts. I'm walking around this video game event, right? And I'm seeing Pep Boy t-shirts, Mobile One, uh, VP Race Fuels. I'm seeing all these different companies that exist in the motorsport space. And I'm like, this is bananas. Like, this is absolutely, I think that it was as well of a produced, well produced of an event as I have ever seen, man. I have ever seen in my life. So anyways, guys, let's get into this week's episode of the 330. I think it'll catch everybody up on everything that's going on in the sport right now. As I mentioned in the show open, big weekend for the sport of drag racing. The, NH, uh, the NHRA took over Heartland Park, Topeka. Great crowd, great racing. We saw the PDRA roll into Maple Grove Raceway for the uh, what was it called? The Northern Nationals, excuse me. A ton of no prep events going on in various shootouts all across the country. Uh, some big action at Tulsa Raceway Park in Oklahoma during the no prep Kings filming. Lots going on, but let's uh, let's play the video and that will allow us to uh, kind of go from there.
Man, I don't know about you guys, but I, I love this. I, I love this project. Shout out to our in-house video uh, production. Uh, what do we call him? What's what, Do we have a job title for Guru? Guru. Video, video production yeah. guru. guru. Um, our video production specialist, Blake Fontenelle, has been cranking out these 330 videos for the last uh, month or so. And man, I just, for me personally, to be able to catch up with the entire, like a big portion of the sport of drag racing, a lot of the major happenings inside of three minutes and 30 seconds feels like a victory to me. Uh, let, let's do, let's dive right into takeaways from the weekend. Mike, uh, let's get into it, buddy. We saw the NHRA, as I said, roll into Topeka, Kansas for uh, the NHRA Heartland Nationals. I don't think they call it the Heartland Nationals anymore, but I'm kind of holding on to it. Um, <laughs> did you have any big takeaways? Obviously, we saw Joey Gladstone, I think, you know, operate in rare air, low ET of every round, uh, dominant performance, qualifies number one, wins the race, uh, massively impressive. TJ Coughlin, Troy Coughlin Jr. in Pro Stock going back to back. We, uh, man, that's awesome. This, this momentum, team, man, that's momentum. what about. You know, I think you finally get that about, breakthrough. Yes. It's like, it's like, it's so hard to get that first win. We talk about this especially in drag racing, it's like you have to learn how to win and get that first win. And then they seem to, to roll them off after that. And I think we're seeing that. And plus that team, I think also was trying something or was doing something a little bit different than the, the rest of the elite teams were. And I think that's paying off. I think we're seeing that across the board. I think maybe you're seeing that with Gladstone. Maybe you're seeing that with Antron. Maybe you're seeing that with Bob Tasca to where maybe you're going to see that with Torrance. He's talked about that with us trying things early in the year may pay off at the end. I, I am so glad. It was a wonderful thing, in my opinion. Um, if we just kind of go through this blow by blow, let's look at the... Um, Corey Horton said, wow, looks like you missed Swanson's win at Tulstra. Unfortunately, we don't have access to a ton of footage from No Prep Kings. Obviously, it's being filmed for a TV show. Um, the Futures class and the Open Big Tire class and things like that are much easier to get footage of. Um, but whenever they're trying to save that footage for a TV show, we don't push too hard, just so you understand why we uh, there was no inclusion there of Justin Swanson. It's nothing personal, obviously. It's just access to footage. And I would encourage anybody, if you'd like to see your race involved in what we're doing with the 330, shoot us a message here on Facebook, on YouTube, Send an email, uh, Wes at dragillustrated.com, any of these various emails, Mike at dragillustrated.com, JT at dragillustrated.com. We would love to see what you have going on over the weekend. But um, starting at the top, NHRA Top Fuel, Antron Brown, as you mentioned, scoring his first win of 2022, kind of a breakthrough moment for the driver as a, as a new, a fresh faced team owner. You could almost see the relief. I, I don't even know that he was as, as excited as he was relieved. You could almost see it on his face that it just felt like a weight was lifted. He was operating a little lighter. And whenever I saw him actually in the media center after the race, I mean, you could see it just in his body language, right? I mean, he was sitting back, he was relaxed. I mean, it, and it was, I really think a moment of relief. I mean, can you imagine hey, we're, we're what it's like to putting him. this whole thing together, right? Yeah, right. We're, and then, we're used to seeing him kind of operate in that yeah. cool, calm, collected, you know, nothing, the moment's never too big for him. But the pressure of being a team owner, man, that's a whole different deal. And I'm sure he was still getting acclimated to that. And we wondered when we were going to see this from Antron. You know, they they had struggled through the early part of the year. We saw Ron Caps break through, get his first win as a team owner. We've seen, uh, we saw Tony Stewart get his first win as a team owner in Top Fuel. And we were wondering when, what was going to go on with the with Antron's team. And uh, cool to see them kind of get that breakthrough also. And Antron, uh, we've got some stats uh, here from, from Josh Hatchett. Uh, that was his first victory in 30 races. So it had been, oh, wow. yes, yeah, it had been quite a while and uh, he hasn't won more than one race in a season since 2017. 
and, and before that he won four or more races for seven straight years well it's interesting because i think that it really speaks to how competent uh, competitive excuse me uh how competitive nhra top fuel is right now i mean it's it's easy to you know get nostalgic about the days of 25 30 whatever cars but the the volume of cars we have today um, or excuse me, the caliber of cars we have today. There's hardly a car on the property that couldn't end up winning the deal. And man, and they kind of are. That. I mean, the wins are are, are few and far out, between right? for a lot yeah, of these teams. Scattered across, yeah, yeah, they're scattered across, and that makes for that makes it a lot of fun to watch, though. It does, and I was I put that in the the title of the show this week because I really believe that we're seeing. I mean, if this isn't the NHRA putting their best foot forward, I don't know what is, guys. I mean, I feel like we're seeing incredible competition across the board. I can't remember the last time. We talked about this at Pomona, and you know, during Pomona at the season opener, the Winter Nationals. We talked about it at those first few races in Phoenix and in Las Vegas and in, in Gainesville. You're going, something special is happening here. And I'm, I feel like pretty lucky to get to watch this unfold. I mean, who would ever would have thought that we would see – I can't imagine a scenario where Steve Torrance is winless like three quarters of the way through the season. And I thought he was going to break yeah. through this past weekend. I feel like he's on the cusp. It's going to happen. And to your point, Mike, I do believe there's some testing going on. There's some figuring out going on. But I'll be honest, I really feel like David Grubnick, Grubby and Brittany Force have the whole field kind of chasing their tail. You start throwing down those mid three thirty mile per hour trap speeds. If, if nothing else, it's indicative of power. And I think everybody's going, holy crap, if they're running mid 330s, that's where we need to be, especially as we get into like record setting season this fall. And it's going to be coming. important, man. It's coming. Topeka was very hot, hotter than usual. Uh, I think 100, 101, one yeah. of the days. The track, obviously, teams struggle with the track um, in, in, in pretty much every class. But now going into this weekend, if you look at the conditions for Brainerd, it's like mine shaft or. You know, mm -hmm. pretty, pretty dang good. Pretty big swing from Topeka. And are we going to see that? Indy is kind of always a toss up. You never know. Usually kind of airs on the warm side there. True. Um, but then we go Charlotte in the fall, Redding, um, St. Louis, always fast. Texas, Vegas is kind of an outlier. And then Pomona. And it's, it is record setting season. This is getting it season. This is when, to me, this is the most exciting part of the season. Uh, in all forms of drag racing R races are just stacked on top of each other throughout the fall. Everyone wants to take advantage of good weather. Everyone's maybe been on vacation or taking their time off in the summer and it's time to get time to get back to it in the fall. I wonder, I'm anxious to see, I think one of the big questions that are going to be uh, fun to see how it's answered will be, how many of these teams are able to carry the success and the heat over to those killer conditions? Because that's a, that's a whole other world. I, I mean, Bob Tasca is probably the team that I'm looking at the most right now going, okay, they have proven that they've got a hot rod in these kind of questionable, you know, very difficult conditions. And it's really going to make what's going to tell the tale ultimately is whether or not they're able to, carry that momentum into a 68, 70 degree weekend like we're staring down the barrel of in Brainerd, Minnesota, and later this fall whenever we're in the midst of the countdown. But I do believe, I stand by it, man. I think this is going to be, if not the greatest countdown to the championship in NHRA history, damn near it. It's got to be in the argument. There's, I'm, I was literally looking through the points last night, and I'm going from pro stock bike on up, it's a, t I mean, you just don't know. I, there's obviously some favorites, but I mean, top fuel, funny car. I'm not saying they're wide open, 
But man, there's a lot of people in the mix and it doesn't take but a couple of races to go your way. And we see how fast it can happen. I don't know that anybody would have considered Troy Coughlin Jr. a championship contender a month ago. Or Tasca. Or, or Tasca, now Tasca a month ago. The, might be the hottest driver on the of all the pro series right now. Absolutely. And, and if you get one, if you let a Coughlin kid yeah. get a sniff, if you let a guy like that who's been, you know, they have a family tradition of dominance. They have a family tradition of excellence in the sport of drag racing. You let him get a little bit of momentum. You let him get some confidence because I think personally, I don't mean to talk out of turn here, but if we're being honest, I think TJ, Troy Coughlin Jr. looking, you know, from the outside looking in, it felt like he was lacking some confidence, right? I mean, it was just the, they, were, they were struggling, right? They were having some issues. The car would be there one minute it's and big, the next minute it wasn't fill, there. Though. You yeah. know, I mean, can you imagine God. operating yeah, in right? Jeg Coughlin Jr. Yeah. shadow? I mean, I've said right here in this show that he's the best to ever do it. I think he is one of the best natural drivers of all time. And to, to try to live up to that, holy crap. And I think that it's just been kind of weighing on. You could see it on Troy Coughlin Jr.'s face. I think there was a genuine concern that he wasn't going to be able to do this. Like, I, I honestly think that that had to go through his head a handful of times that like, man, everybody on this team is doing really well. I got Erica Enders to my right winning almost every race she's, she's entered into Aaron Stanfield on my left doing damn near the exact same thing. Um, Bo Butner hasn't had this, the season that I think he's expected to have, but the same type of situation, a couple of years off new car blues, you know, kind yep. of getting back into the rhythm, but you know, looking at the stable of cars in that camp, I'm sure it had to be a little bit defeating to go, man, why are they having so much success and I'm struggling so bad? And you can't help. Everybody can talk about running their own race one round at a time, all these other cliches. But I think we can all agree it's pretty easy to get in your own head, start picking Absolutely. these things apart. Yep. And the next thing you know, you're you know way out in left field trying things, doing things that you know you shouldn't do, but you're trying to do anything. You're, you're pressing. I actually saw this on ESPN this morning. Um I don't know anything about baseball, but it was like the manager or the coach of the New York Yankees. And they were asking him, do you think your players are pressing? And he's like, yeah, welcome to major <laughs> league baseball for the yeah, Yankees. Like, they are pressing, you know, they're making mistakes out of pressing. And I honestly think we were seeing a little bit of that from that yellow and black Camaro and TJ. Now that he's had this breakthrough moment, Hey man, he he's in the hunt. Th Speaking, that's a hot rod. Yeah. Talking about breakthroughs. How about the the fight it's been for Greg Anderson to get that hundred points in the finals this weekend? I think that team's coming on. I think that they struggled uh, obviously through the early part of the season, but they're going to be there uh, in the countdown and contending for a championship. But it's it's crazy. What I don't know what race it was so where, close. He got, yeah, where he got ninety nine, and then the breakthrough to get a hundred is is just been a tough one so you can far. Taste it. It was just right there, you, right. It wouldn't I mean, surprise me to see that come in the next couple of races. Man, I thought, I, I mean, not that I was counting out TJ. I was trying to like run through the scenarios in my head and I'm like, oh man, going back to back, scoring your first win in several years. Had to take years, out Greg. The, and then the, having, the Jags, Summit oh, rivalry. Had to, take out, had to take out his teammate, Erica Enders, probably the hottest driver in pro stock right now. Had to take her out in the semifinals, then race Greg Anderson, who you can tell has a chip on his shoulder right now. We're actually seeing from Greg that same level of like racing with an edge that we saw from that we've seen from Erica all year long. And it's it feels like that moment is just it's any time, any time. But man, what a season that that elite motorsports camp is having. It's honestly hard 
to fathom winning what nine or 10 out of a 12 races, something I know. Like that. we say, we say anytime, but as hot as they are right now, I mean, you can't count on it. I mean, they are dominating. It, it's incredible. Man. It, it yeah. really is. However, I do feel like we saw Greg Anderson there, you know, close the gap mm -hmm. a little bit in Topeka uh, when you can make runs like that in those challenging conditions. But we just talked about it. Record setting seasons around the corner and it's going to get fast in a hurry. And typically, we saw a glimpse of it. If you think back to the NHRA's uh, trip to Norwalk, o Ohio, we saw Eric Anders and that red Melling Camaro go out there and lower the boom on the whole field. I mean, cover them up. And if they're able to do that in the heat, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Like you said, Mike, this weekend when I think the high is 68. In yeah, Brainerd I didn't this look. Weekend. Uh, yeah, I haven't looked wow. in a couple of days. I need to look at the Brainerd weather. I think it's supposed to be cool clear through the Midwest. And yeah, so. But check out these, the, there, we've got some good stats on Tasca too. That was a second win in three races, uh, fourth final in five races. So the man is hot right now. There, there's no denying that. Um, we thought it was kind of going to be a two horse race. We were uh, early in the year, Hagen and height. And now Tasca's right there. Um, what other funny car contenders do you see making a step up? Man, I really think Matt Hagen, like they've had this like little stumble or yeah. whatever, if that makes sense. Um, but it, a lot of it, you know, for those that are, you know, married to this sport the way that we are, the big talk in uh, the talk of town right now is in clutch discs. And we're hearing that just day in and day out. I mean, I think it's kind of like the ongoing ramifications of the global pandemic. Uh, I don't think we're seeing the same level of consistency uh, with some of these clutch discs. I think that they're getting them from various sources, um, different materials being used. Uh, again, I think I go back to some lack of consistency that I don't know that is necessarily anyone's fault. It's just the way of the world in 2022. I mean, it's just a, it's a tough time to get things made. It's a tough time to source things. And we've heard this time and time again that, Hey, we're experimenting with a new clutch setup or we were experimenting with some new clutch discs. And we've got enough of these to kind of go back to our baseline when it comes time to to count down to this championship time of the year, the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But I've looked to see Matt Hagen and that team right back in championship contention. Uh, they still are. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it can happen one race, two races into the countdown, and this deal could look dramatically different. I think the biggest, like, thinking about the countdown, staring down the barrel of this uh, playoff season for the sport of drag racing, there's two things that come to mind. A, what we can do as a sport to make these races that lead up to the U.S. Nationals and the start of the countdown, the regular season, if you will, I don't know what we've got to do to kind of change because I don't know how I feel personally. Like if I'm in HRA and I've got this whole sea of teams out here and all I'm hearing about is I'm testing stuff, testing this. I, you know what I mean? Like it's right, like, you got to make it count for more, right? Yeah, I mean, that's find that's, a that's way. But uh, yep. this is common, man. NBA it is great example. Load trying lineups, right? Load management and, through yeah. the season. We don't really do anything until playoff time, and then it's on. Um, I NFL, think that, they rest players, you know, a yeah, lot of times. NFL you know, avoids the, the, the urgency yeah. is there in NFL because it it's only more. six, uh, 17 games and everything single elimination in the playoffs. Much more intensity there. But these other sports, baseball. Oh huge, my goodness! Really, until the World Series, no one cares about baseball. I'm right. sorry, you can, go, you can go to a game. You can take your kids to the game. And maybe they're going to go see their favorite player, and you get there, and oh, they're not, we're not playing. playing today, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and it's horrible. But so it is, it's, it's a, a common thing. Season Any, though, anytime you have a playoff system like this, 
you're going to have on the back end of it this problem with the regular season. So I, I don't that, know what the I think is. as the season goes on. Um, I think we're going to have to watch out like like for Toyota. I think that they're going to come on, you know, as as the season goes on, they're going to start figuring the car out. And I think it's going to be I think it's going to be pretty. Uh, well, you got really. you got caps. He's sitting third. Yep. J.R. Todd is in sixth. Alexis Jory is in eighth. Uh, so that's your Toyota cars there. Um, John Force hanging in there at number four right now. Sneaky. Yeah. Isn't it odd? I mean, if you think about it, I actually did this the other day, and I don't know if I want to share it with everybody, but I think it's kind of interesting. John Force has been was born in 1949, bro. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like the first Polaroid camera came out in 1949. The <laughs> first ever successful television sitcom came out in 1949. I mean, the world, I mean, it's unbelievable all the things that John Force has seen come and go, the teams that he's seen come and go, the technology that he's seen come and go. Uh, it's, it's really crazy to think that he's fourth in the points in his 70s. And to be honest, he looks good. And the gamesmanship yeah. that we're seeing from him, like rolling in deep, all the time. I mean, I just think it's cool that he's completely accepting the fact that he's got to do everything he can do on the starting line because he's racing a bunch of, you, against a bunch of 20 and 30 year olds. What did you think about that deal with him and Cruz where they both rolled in deep and then John's light flickered, his bottom bulb flickered and then Cruz left. And I, I mean, that was kind of a mess. Yeah, man. I actually got a slew of messages about that. And I think people were pretty uh, confused. To be honest, it, I, I don't know. We would probably need to get someone from CompuLink on here, Bob Brockmeyer or somebody uh, to really I, I think, make I think sense of that. bulb hadn't gone out, it was pretty cut and dry that Cruz was very deep and then left. He was red. But the weird part was the, the bulb going up. Yeah, I didn't understand, like, because for, you know, if you think about it in terms of John Forrest's car rolls in and he turns, he goes deep, right? Turns out the top bulb, turns out the pre-stage bulbs, and then rolls forward enough to turn out the bottom bulb. That's a red. That's red, yeah, right? Because if, because no, if he would have rolled was, backwards, he, it would have turned the top bulb back on. Right, but he was stationary from what i could tell i think it was some kind of malfunction some kind of electrical or timing system weirdness that happened you know and to be honest if you think about it i i hate it and i know how hard it is and i i totally appreciate i mean i can't imagine how disappointed a cruise pedragon is or all the guys that sweat their butts off right. over the course of three days in you know 105 degree temperatures and in, in heartland park topeka at heartland park topeka excuse me but it's like that is those are the things that are going to happen. You know, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's but these tough things, anytime you're the victim of something like that. It really does. I mean, think about, I, I think about the innumerable missed calls in stick and ball sports that happen. Unfortunately, that's part of it. And I think that our sport is the blessed green. in many ways, right? Call it, right? Yeah. I mean, we're blessed yeah. in many ways that we have so many controlled variables and we have some really great technology on our side. But those moments are going to happen, you know, and it's, you yeah. know, every once in a while uh, they they go in your favor. It seems like more often than not, they don't. But uh, yeah, definitely. You just a remember tough one those, that left right? Me. Yeah, you only. I mean, <laughs> hey, man, that's human nature. We remember the bad stuff. We almost always remember the bad stuff. Man. Yeah, but now I, I think the NHRA is delivering some of the best drag racing that we've seen uh, in years, to be honest. I think that that's just a the amount of. The competition from top to bottom, these independent one-car, two-car teams, uh, a slew of single-car operations that are, I mean, Justin, Ashley, I mean, look at what this young man is doing. I mean, they've got a legit chance. They've got a yeah. championship contending car, and it was not that long ago, a few years ago, 
you wouldn't have even, it was so impossible to even think about winning a championship, winning multiple races without a three, four car team, right? And that's why Steve, what Steve Torrance did for so many years was so special is that he was basically doing it as like a one and a half car team, right? A car, one car is out there all the time. His dad, Billy Torrance is out there on like a limited part-time schedule when they needed him. But man, uh, the amount of... Check out the single car teams in the, in the point standings in Top Fuel. Hit me it's up. pretty wild. Break them down. Uh, well, you got Mike Salinas, you got uh, Justin Ashley, Steve Torrance, Josh Hart, Leo Pruitt, um, Tony Schumacher, Antron Brown. All those are in the top 10. And it's I pretty believe impressive, all of those man. are single guard teams. I mean, and I know there's some alliances yeah. there, right? I mean, obviously, like Trip Tatum is kind of a t- satellite car for right. Tasca, as it, or not Tasca, Torrance, Torrance, as is his yep. father's car. Um, I know that there's an alliance between Antron Brown and, and Justin Ashley to some extent. Clay, but, Clay's sitting there at 11th, too. Yeah, it's a very, very, very exciting time, I think, to be a fan of or involved in NHRA drag racing. And when I see these guys being willing to stick their neck out and not only, you know, obviously the courage required to to race one of these cars, to just strap into one of them, but to own one and to operate a team and deal with all that, uh, all the nuances of owning a race related business. It's a it's an incredible thing, man. It, It really is. And I think that if we can see more of these single car operations have success Perhaps we will see more people come into the sport and and try to because I do think the value think makes is big, man. It makes the sport healthier to have instead of all of your eggs in one basket. That was always the fear behind the Schumacher and Force and uh, Super Teams and any others that have existed. And I think having it you spread wanna, out, you want to like compete, this, right? Yeah. Well, it it, compete. it also it welcomes competition and it and it invites new blood. Um, and it kind of it it even it's a. I don't want to say level the playing field, but it 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 sort of uh, spreads the wealth. Yeah, I agree. It a little man. more. I mean, if you just say, man, there's a lot of different ways to kind of c- cut this up. But I mean, even just spreading out some of the talent. I mean, just yeah. getting some crew guys that are spread spreading these guys around, spreading the car chiefs and the crew chiefs around a little bit, and and letting everybody because it felt like there was a handful of teams that had six high level crew chiefs or whatever operating, working on three or four cars. And we need some of those guys to kind of find their independence and go do their own thing on one of these smaller operations. And it's put our sport in a really great position because it's very interesting because we've pointed at pro stock as this example of, of how it's done. Right. And, and pro stock is obviously healthy right now, but it is interesting because almost the entire field is comprised of two teams. Yeah. You know, and as good as that is in one hand, perhaps, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's a great thing, right? I mean, you got elite motorsports fielding, what, five, six, seven cars at any given time. You got KB racing fielding, you know, three, four or five cars. Um, it's a great thing. But at the same time, you're right, Mike. I mean, you've got all your eggs in this basket and it's, it's a tough, tough place to be. And how do you get people excited? Because we're, this is a sport comprised of blue collar people, right? Small business owners, middle, medium sized business owners. And I, I don't think it's a, an unusual thing to think that a lot of these guys want to do it on their own, right? right. They want to own that this is, stuff. They want like to go the drag their own racing. Way. That's like spirit. the drag racing thing. Entrepreneurial, yeah. self-made spirit. And I think that in the past it's been, all right, if you're going to compete in any of these pro classes, you got to be on Schumacher. You got to be on Force. You got to be a part of these teams to do anything. And now we're seeing that you can make it as, a, as an independent team owner, as a single car team. And I think that's exciting. We were hoping we would see that going into this season. We kind of predicted or, or talked about that in the offseason of all the new blood coming in. And I think we're sort of seeing the fruits of that. 
And I think it's tough because it's always it's just cheaper. You know, if you think about it from the perspective of a guy, it's not this isn't maybe common knowledge. It's going to be infinitely cheaper to ring the phone of one of these team owners and say, hey, how much for me to fly in, drive your car? I don't want to have a CDL. I don't want to hire a truck driver. I don't want to stop at way stations. I don't want to keep a log book. I don't want to deal with payroll. I don't, you know, it is anybody who's been around this stuff for any period of time knows that it's the racing is such a small sliver of what is required to be successful out here. I mean, you're in, you've got to have an HR department, you've got paid time off and people getting sick or people getting hurt. I mean, it's, it's a business. so complicated it's a small business, you know, and if you can, if you're a well-to-do business owner and you can ring one of these dudes phones and say, Hey, I want to run 10 races, you know, what's that going to cost? And they say, Oh, it's a half million bucks. You make a monthly payment or whatever. You go race. You don't got to house a truck and trailer. You don't have to have a business and you know a shop in Mooresville or a shop in Brownsburg. I understand it, but I do think it's a touch problematic because, to your point, Mike, the entrepreneurial spirit in the racing community is alive and well. And a lot of these guys want to just say they did it. They're, look no further than Comp Eliminator. Like some of these classes, you can't do shit any harder than they do it, right? <laughs> like, hey, we're gonna take a 500 inch V8. Big block, Chevy. We're just going to cut it in half. Yeah. We're going to run half of it. Why? Well, you know, we just think that'd be the hardest possible thing to do. But that's what gets these guys out of bed in the morning. And if you know that, I feel like we got to find ways to lean into it. And it feels like that's happening a little bit in, in NHRA Top Fuel. So um, speaking of NHRA Top Fuel, I'm peeking down here in the green room. And I think we are, are joined by our first guest of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, before I do this, and I'm expecting a rousing. Applause. I mean, I'm talking like Where's your raucous. air horn, JT? Did you buy an air horn yet? You're muted, JT. You're muted. Perfect. Just the way we like it. You're muted, T. You're still <laughs> muted. There. there you need to buy some new ones. <laughs> man. Well, man, I was doing you guys a favor. They're fixing more concrete outside of the office. Oh, they're they running <laughs> jackhammers outside to listen of the, to all the Drag yes. Illustrated office? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's wonderful. Is that why you're sleeveless? Are you fitting to throw on a hard hat, run outside? I, I might run out there. I'm going to tie some rebar here in a little bit. You never know about me. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, guys, real quick, let me uh, remind everybody and let me pay some bills here real quick. I got to do payroll this Friday. Um, guys, I want to remind everybody that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag shoots and seatbelts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com slash Wes to be automatically entered into a contest uh, to win a set of Defender Series seatbelts from our buddies at Stroud. Make sure you tell them we sent you. I guess that link will probably do the trick. Huge shout out to Tommy, Anita, the whole gang at Stroud Safety right up the road in Oklahoma City. Guys, let's, uh, let's brace for impact here. I don't know if we've ever had A.B., I don't know if we've ever we had, had him AB at, on at PRI, show. which at most PRI, of the audience live and in person. Yeah. yeah, we had him live at PRI, which was very cool, but not actually on the, the the real deal show here. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about it. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the most recent winner on the NHRA Camping World Series Tour, the one, the only Antron Brown. Whoa! Hey. <laughs> What's up, baby? What's What's I'm here. What's up, buddy? How are you, man? Oh, man, I tell you what, man, we've been nonstop. And, you know, you just were paying the bills. I am literally 
We need to see the names on those checks. I got I don't mean uh, I just need the routing number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to talk out of turn, Antron, but before you joined us, I said to the guys here that it, I felt like I could sense relief more than anything else. Like the way you're you uh watching your media center interview this from this past weekend in Topeka, your body language even kind of showed relief. Uh, were you starting to wonder like, man, are we going to be able to do this? Is this going to elude us forever? Uh, because you could see like a, a sigh of relief across your face. Yeah. Like it was, it was like one of those deals where you're like, huh, like we've been traveling on this journey and we're just trying to get through this tunnel. And as we're going through this tunnel, we got all these things just falling on us like boom, 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 boom. And we're just trying to avoid them, get through it, get through it. And at, for a minute, we're like, where's the light? We can't see the light no more. <laughs> and uh, finally we busted through. And now we're, now we're on some ground that we could grow upon. And before we were just trying to find our way with, you know, the, the startup of a new team, like, I had what you call like here at AB Motorsports, we had a true startup where we bought select parts and pieces from DSR. Like we didn't get the truck, the trailer, all the parts and pieces and this and that. We started and say, we're starting to slate clean and we got all brand new parts and pieces. And we had some new sponsors, new partners like Lucas Oil. So we started off helping with the oil, developing a new blend that we were running and, uh, and we did everything, brother, from brand new clutch with CNC Performance. And then uh, we went with new blowers from Darren Mayer, uh, DMPE. And then we had .1 blocks. We had we were running some DS, DSM blocks. We were on DSR cylinder heads from Don Schumacher Racing Cylinder Heads to rods, diamond pistons. And we had to bring all this stuff together to make this package work. And along the way, we had hiccups. Just what it was, just... This not working right. That's not working right. Find out why it's not working and what is working, what's causing a problem, where's the gremlins at. Do we have electronical problems? And uh, and the thing about it is we were patient, and it was a process of eliminations till we finally got to where we need to be. And we just started seeing some light after Denver this year. Denver was a turning point where things went really bad that showed us what really was wrong because Denver just magnifies everything by 10, what something's wrong. And then we worked on it and we came out in Sonoma. We were good. We just we just lost a tough race. And uh, Seattle was the same way where we're like, we qualified in the top five. And we're like, all right, man, this is our race. This is going to be our weekend. And we just messed up. And uh, we had, we're out front in Leah. And then we ran to our little match, clutch map and shut the clutch off. And we lost because our car just pretty much parked itself on the racetrack going just the clutch stopped moving. And when it did that, she passes up and beat us by 10, 11 thousandths or something like that. And then that was it. And then we just came out with Topeka with our heads down and with vengeance. And we didn't qualify where we wanted to because Friday night was the qualifying deal. We we're on a 77 run and our car safety system shut our car off. <laughs> so isn't it crazy? Like, cause it's almost always something like there's so many ways to lose a drag race. It's exhausting. You mentioned a couple of things that I find uh, particularly interesting that I want to touch a touch base on. I guess first I'm going to back up. 
What do you think was the biggest, and we touched on this a little bit when we were uh, side by side at the PRI show, but that was before the, the war, that was preparing for the war that you're in now, right? What has been the biggest surprise? Like looking back on the last, I guess, almost eight months now since we, we checked in together there at, uh, the, on the floor of the Performance Racing Industry Trade Show, what, what has been the biggest surprise? I mean, has it been uh, the, the, the HR, the dealing with human beings? Has it been dealing with sponsors? Has it been the, the car itself? I mean, what has been the biggest surprise uh, as you have embraced this team owner role? I think the biggest surprise is uh, for sure that I can speak from the HR standpoint is dealing with people because we went through a few crew members till we got to the crew that we got now. You know what I mean? Like find out some people ain't made for ain't made for racing. Just they're not made oh, for the yeah. travel. They're not made to be on the road. They're they're not made and thinking like racing. A lot of them think it's like they came in. I think some people think it's a hobby job, and they didn't realize what it really takes to race. And uh, and it's not a nine to five. So I'm letting, I'm letting all America know. On, on the Drag Illustrated show, racing is not nine to five. It's you got to put it in. And over time, it just, it is every day. If you want to go out there and succeed and you got to, and you always got to keep inventing yourself to be better. So with that being said, I think that was the biggest surprise where like, you know, we lost some crucial crew guys over the year and to get some people to step in and fill those voids and you, you, you never take it for granted, but you really do take it for granted. And that's one thing that I can honestly say that you were like, wow, like, all right, we got to fix that. We got to fix that. And then you got to spend time to cultivate the crop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like grow it. You got to grow it and be patient. And then you got to let it take where we all can come together and work together as a tight knit unit. And we're starting to get that way right now where you can communicate without talking. Do you think that that culture, like, did you, do you feel like it was extremely, how valuable, I guess the question is, how valuable was your experience working with Don Schumacher, right? I mean, this is, when it comes to team owners, I think perhaps the best to ever do it. That's no shade at John Force Racing and some of the Connie Cletta and some of the other iconic people. But when you talk about someone who ran a tight ship had a very successful business, competed at a high level for many, many years. What was it like learning from that and having that experience to lean on? One of the examples, and I love any opportunity to compare guys such as yourself to superstar athletes like LeBron James, but one of my favorite stories is you know, LeBron left Cleveland as an NBA basketball player, went down to Miami uh, to join the Miami Heat, and he talked about learning how to win a championship, learning what it takes. Like he, he went down there and learned the way uh, of uh, Phil Riley or what, Pat Riley and learned the way of winning a championship. And then he brought that back to Cleveland and put them in the winner's circle in year one. Do you think that, I mean, how valuable was that experience alongside Don Schumacher? Cause you, you know, we had Don on the show a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned you specifically Antron is that it was no surprise to him because you guys had been working on this for years. He knew that it was on your vision board to own your own team. Yes. And this was a long process. But how valuable was that relationship? Because you know what it takes to win a championship. You know what it takes to race at a high level. How much of a shortcut has that been? Well, it, it is no shortcuts, to be honest with you, Wes. It's not a shortcut. What it, what it is is that there's been plenty of people. Just think about it. Think about all the people that raced for Don Schumacher over all the years, from Gary Selzy 
on down. You know what I mean? Whip Baysmore, all the best of the best is raced here almost here at Don Schumacher Racing, right? So the thing about it is for me was literally just like literally learning like the do's and don'ts. You get what I'm saying? Like, 100%. like you're looking at, it, you're like, hey, like Don goes, A.B., sometimes I was never the smartest and most talented person in business. But one thing I can tell you is that I outworked my competitors. While they took off, I was still on. And and that's what it is. You got to you got to actually like literally dig in and say, this is what I want to do. And for me, I knew that a long time ago. And I, I let Don know. And it was no surprise. It was no doing this, doing that. I say, this is what I want to do. And trust me, he played the devil advocate a few times and going, well, I want, I want to let you know how rough it is. Okay. I'm going to show you how hard it is and you might not want to do it because it's rough and it is. But the thing about that I've learned at DSR for all those years, if you put your, if you put the right people around you, okay, that's where success comes. It's not the parts and pieces you buy. It's, it's not how fancy your rig looks going up and down the road. And sometimes it's not as much money as you got, but money is a key factor, okay, that for you could, to afford and pay employees and to keep them and keep the same one so you could build a dynasty. You get what I mean? So what I saw was he had all the best people here, and he didn't micromanage them. He let them run the race teams. You know what I mean? I got to help run my team. I got to do all the sponsor obligations. See, I did all that stuff before. Like I owned my own bike team a long time ago. I was doing all that stuff here just underneath the DSR umbrella. You know what I mean? And the the same thing with Caps. He did all this Napa sponsorship obligations and stuff like that. And his stuff's a little bit different. You have to talk to him about how different his stuff is because he leases that, does this, does that, where I'm on my own. You get what I mean? I'm like, like literally I looked at Don. Don goes, well, I can still be a part of it with you. Do this, do this. I was like, Don, I got to do this for me and my family and for my team. And I just, I got to go. Like I got to. I Man, I applaud you. And I I really do. I mean, I've been, uh, it's, I think it takes, um, the intestinal fortitude that it takes to go into business for yourself. A lot of people don't, I don't mean to like be, you know, shut anybody down, but, but it's, it's hard. It's harder than it looks. Right. I mean, a lot of guys see you winning, you know, standing in the winter circle on Sunday, holding the trophy with all these logos on your fire suit. And it's like, man, what a deal. How awesome is that? That guy's so lucky. But to your point, I mean, it's all day, every day. I hear people tell me like they started their business, like, man, I haven't taken a day off. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I'm, I'm sorry. But like, that's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. You know, I mean, that's just what it takes all day, all night. And obviously, you know, you get to a point and it doesn't have to be that way. And, you, you know, everybody deserves to take a break. But if you're going to succeed, I mean, the moment you slow down, someone else is speeding up. Um, and I'm curious, what's your take on just, we were talking before you joined us just about the health and wellness of the NHRA. We, we are big believers that we're kind of looking at, this is a great time to be involved in our sport. The success of a lot of these single independent operations seems to be, you know, encouraging, right? Uh, do you think that, uh, I mean, what's your take on like the, the state of the industry right now and the state of drag racing? I mean, what's, how are your conversations going with sponsors? What, what's this feedback going? How are you doing? I mean, how's business? 
business right now is good. And think about is for me to start this business at the time that I started it, that, that was a nail biter. Okay. But now we're starting to get the, the ship is, is not like this no more. The ship is starting to plane down. You know what I mean? We're, we're coming afloat. We're seeing what's coming we're understanding what angles we're going to get hit at and understand how to do it all. And it's just getting comfortable by being uncomfortable. You get what I mean? And, yeah. and I've learned that about business. You got to understand how to, that's the only way you get successful is because you got to get comfortable with the uncomfortableness. You know what I mean? And uh, at first, man, I was like, oh, Lord, this is happening. This is happening. But you learn as you go. And when you look at our sport, the sport is growing now. You know what I mean? Like you're seeing like, like Leah, Hagen over there with Tony Stewart. You see what I have done. You see, you see what like you know Justin Ashley's got his deal with Dustin Davis Racing. Like they're together. You know what I mean? Then you look over and then you see on the other side, you see Ron Cap starting to get his stuff going. He's going, and what's going to do is you're seeing all these small seeds are starting to be all plant. They're going to start growing, and as we start growing, the sport's going to start growing now because. Now we got one plant. We ain't got branches off of them yet. Like Don Schumacher had the old maple tree, man. That thing had like eight or 12 branches going off of it. Force has still got five or four, like, you know what I mean? And as you see, they're going to stay that way. And same thing with Coletta. Well, now you're introducing the other teams. They start getting those branches going off of them. You're going to start seeing 20 cars. We've seen it this year already in top field. We had 22 cars at a race, 21 cars. And then you see new people coming into sport like, like Will Smith, top yes. alcohol dragster. He's getting his fuel license. He's he's trying to come over a great marketing present. So when you start to see stuff like that, the sport is definitely growing and we're getting more interest because people are starting to see the value that NHRA drag racing brings to the table and how diverse and all that stuff is, is, is great. But the thing about it is we bring a great value and we just got to get it out there more. I, I mean, talk about for a minute about Toyota. Like they're a, a brand that has come into this space, obviously not new to the space, but my goodness, are they making some noise? They are making waves. These Toyota super funny car bodies are beautiful. I think they're probably the best looking funny car there is. Um, the, the commercials with you and the gang. I mean, it, <laughs> to see them doing that, has that been like exciting for you as it has been for all of us watching to see a major auto manufacturer like that kind of wrap their hands around their arms around the sport and get excited about it. We talk about that a lot, that it, it's great to see a new sponsor in the sport of drag racing, but time and time again, it would seem you see a new brand come into the sport and they put their sticker, you know, on a car or on a hauler. And then a year later it's gone. But when you see someone like Toyota do it, the activations on site, sending the, the R and D team to help with the different race teams. I mean, has this been as exciting for you as it has been for all of us? It has been because We've been getting in so many different areas, and I show up and I go to the airport. I'm getting on the plane, and people goes, "Hey, man, I saw your commercial. Oh, I saw this, or I saw that. Oh, you're hilarious. Hey, that's Antron Brown." And it, and, it, and it's funny when I sit down, I'm like, "How they know it's me?" And then I look down, I say, "Oh, man, I got my Maco shirt on. Oh, I got my Toyota racing shirt on. Oh, that's why they see it and everything else." And they, and the guy goes, "No, I just heard your voice." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, great." So. So it's stuff like that that gets you going, and it, and it feels good because you know that our sport is resonating out there. It's, it's catching on where it's getting to households. You know what I mean? Like 
I looked at Instagram. I, I was never a big social media deal. Like within like three weeks, we gained 25,000 followers. You know what I mean? Wow. So it's like, we're like, that's a move. You know it's what I mean? It's a move, man. Like, that's I a mean- move. So, so we're like, man, it's like, what is this sport going to? Like, look at it. It's, it's, it's at that point right now where it's about the launch. And the thing about it is we just got to figure out where we want to go and how we want to get there. Cause it's there, the road is there. And, uh, and we have a lot of sight, like a lot of exciting things to talk about. I sure think so. I mean, I look at our sport right now and I think about how much, just the volume of racing that's taken on, taking place any given weekend. I mean, just this past weekend, obviously we got the NHRA rolling into Topeka, but you know, the PDRA is, is racing in Maple Grove and there's no prep events going on all over the country. And there's door slammer racing going all over the country and big money bracket races going on all over the country. Huge crowds. I mean, one after another sellout crowds we're hearing about at independent races, right? I mean, they had US 131 up in Martin, Michigan, packed to the gills a couple of weeks ago for their uh, annual Funny Car Nationals. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of energy and enthusiasm. And I agree with you, man. I feel like drag racing as a sport is kind of, you know, despite some of the silly nonsense that you see on social media, uh, I really believe that our sport's in a fantastic position. You mentioned one a couple last things before we let you go, Antron, and I really, I appreciate your time, man, and I appreciate your candor. We can always count on you to kind of give us a straight dirt um, I noticed in the winner's circle, you mentioned Darren Mayer, DMPE. How important are those hard parts in, in top fuel racing right now? I think that, f- f- you know, the outside looking in, uh, the lay person, it kind of everybody's got the same stuff, right? Um, but clearly there's some differences there. I've had a lot of conversations with crew chiefs and drivers the last several months about of varying clutch discs and they're getting harder to get and what, how many they have left. You know, then we hear, hear you talking about supercharger development, uh, with Darren Mayer. Can you kind of touch on some of those things? Like how important is your blower program right now? How much effort is going into the supercharger on a top fuel car right now? It's, it's huge. It's huge. And, uh, we, we were, here at DSR, they had their own blower development program, and we did a lot with Chuck Ford back in the day. Chuck Ford was very hands-on, did all of our blowers, and then we had PSI rotors in them. Then it kind of changed where we still had a Chuck Ford case, but then we went to Bill Miller rotors, different inserts, different, like, you know, divider bars inside the injector. And then that kind of just stayed stagnant, stayed the same for so long. And then what we did was we were like, you know, we've been struggling a little bit here and there. And then we got team, like we, uh, Darren Mayer reached out to us and then we did a little B2B deal with him and working on some stuff. And, and we got the role and he built us a blower and it was sitting in a trailer for like months and we never put it on the car and just sitting there. And then we go, you know, he's on our crew chiefs. He's talking to Brian and Mark and them. I didn't even know that we had it at one point. I knew that we had it for the last month and a half. But I didn't even know we had one. And, uh, and the funny part was is that we put it on for Seattle to try it. And we went on there. We stepped on the gas. And that thing was awesome. He set it all up. That's what Darren does, blueprint him. And the cool part is he's kind of an R&D blower person because he'll do whatever you want on your blowers that you want. Not, not like what he thinks is best. What do you want? Really? And I customize them to the way you want them. You want this opening or you want that opening? Do you want divider? You want it like this? You want it like that? It's like your recipe, but he's R&D, and he'll put it together and make sure it's right for you. Then you maintain it. And and the craziest part of it was is that after we did all this, we talked to him, 
It was the first one, the first places you can go. Parts are on the shelf. Like you see a picture, there's 20 cases on the shelf. Rotors sitting on the shelf. In frames on the shelf. So when you hurt or blow something up, you don't have to have like before you like we tried to have five blowers. You tear one up, you got four, then you can get another one together, but it might take you a month and a half to get another one together. He's got it. You know what I mean? And and it's the same thing that we did with like CNC performance on our clutches. Clutch discs, yeah. With with Chris, not clutch discs, actually the clutch. Oh, the the clutch, okay, yeah. Like the flywheel, the hat, the donut, levers, everything. And we switch over to him because he's got parts ready available. Chris does over at CNC Performance Clutches. So when you see all that, these are the reasons why you trans, like you you actually go, this is where I need to go. Now yeah. I ain't got to order my rollers from Bill Miller. I ain't got to try to get my M frames from DSM, which they have them. You know what I mean? Then I got to get a case from Chuck Ford which is a really great case. You know what I mean? And then I got to get the shoe. I got to get this. I got to get that. And then you got to piecemeal this all together. And then you got to have end frames to make everything work right. You get what I mean? You can't have one yes. set of end frames. And then once you get the right set of end frames, you got to get another set. So if you ever do something wrong or they get messed up, you could put another end frames in there. So the blower works the same. And is it is is whenever you guys are doing all this different blower development, Antron, is it like a matter of, I mean, is it trying to make more boost? Is it trying to generate less heat? Is it trying to make them more efficient? Um, what what are you guys like? Where are you guys trying to press to to make a difference in your blower program right now? Well, that's where it's at right now. It's basically making the blower more efficient. Yeah, plain and simple. If you make it more efficient, you're going to make more boost, and you're going to create heat. That's the last thing you want to do. If you have weak blowers, you spin them harder, you spin them harder, they make more heat. And when they make more heat, they make the distribution change all over the place and they're not efficient. If you can spin a blower slow, make the same boost and have good power at the snap of the throttle, that's a good blower. So, and for us, we've gotten two blowers from D, like, you know, from Daramara, DMP, DMPE, and uh, they're the same. They work the same. Like we don't have to spin. Very rare, right? I mean, brother, you these ain't things like this. have their own personalities, yes. right? Like, like you got to tingle them. One <laughs> run them like a half percent more, half percent less. Or you freshen it up, it runs really good. Second run, it runs really bad. We run them for like two to three runs, like back to back. Like we run it for one run and put the other one on for the next run, and the car, car performs the same. And then we're able to put the one that cooled down back on performs the same that's that rare air you put it back on for the same when you get that yeah that's when you're able to start tuning the car in going rounds more rounds more race wins race wins equal championships and it's about consistency but it's it's a package deal like the blower it's got to work with the clutch the clutch it's got to work with the engine. Like everything's got to, is a Hormone, uh, harmony. You know, I, I, it's so funny. There's a, a harmonious relationship is required, right? I mean, you can have all this different stuff, the best stuff, like you said, you can have all the money in the world, but you do have to find a way to make that whole combination make music. Speaking of making music, and this will be the last thing, buddy, and I genuinely appreciate you, you spending so much time with us. We're going from 105 degrees and people talking about heat exhaustion and uh, nightmarish conditions uh, for the most part in Topeka, Kansas to this weekend 
Uh, we were talking amongst the team earlier today. I think the high is like 68 or 70 in Brainerd. I mean, it's jacket weather. I'm packing a coat. Uh, are you excited about going and getting some killer conditions? Do you think that you'll be able to maintain that momentum that you achieved in Topeka uh, with despite such dramatic conditions, or would you rather it be 105? No, no. I'm looking forward to the cold weather because the reason why we're looking forward to going to, to Brainerd, it kind of sets you up for the countdown. When you go to Brainerd, we always get those cool weather because you go to Countdown, you're going to be racing all fall races. Think about Indy is beginning in September. Our next race is Charlotte, and that's fall time starting on the East Coast. It's not hot weather. It's going to be like mediocre weather, like high 70s, maybe low 80s at the most. And we're going to need to know how to throw down because that's what's going to take to win a championship because the championship, it starts off in Charlotte. You go to Reading, and then you're going to go to Dallas. And all three of those races are going to be fast. And then you're going to go to Vegas and St. Louis. Like St. Louis is going to be really fast too. So all the races that we're going to end the year with are going to be very, very fast races. But if we get a little heat, we know we can race in the heat. We're not even worried about that. But what we want to do is we want to get back to our mid-60 and high-60 setup that was going to take the run to actually win this championship this year. Man, it's been an exciting thing to watch. And, and truly, Antron, we're so excited for you and happy for you. Congratulations. I mean, hearing you talk about your wife helping with hospitality, I mean, we're a family business here. So we that stuff's music to our ears. And uh, I, I hope that it's been a rewarding experience. It sure looks like it has been. It was great to see you have that breakthrough moment. And as you well know, you get that first one out of the way and the rest of them, uh, they seem to start coming a little quicker. Absolutely, they do. Because you know what it takes to do it. And all the guys on the team do, do too together. So Wes, I appreciate you being on the show. We appreciate you, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend Um, at Brainerd. I'll swing by and say hi. If you need anything from us, let us know, man. And uh, hey, be careful out there. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, You're a fantastic ambassador for the sport of drag racing. We need Antron Brown in the winner's circle as often as we can get it. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only Antron Brown. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Stay out of trouble. Well, guys, I want to remind you that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any other on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. Log on to redlineoil.com for more information. Mike, um, man, how about AB, right? He, what a personality. I just think that he is such a great ambassador for the sport of drag racing, full you of energy, it, full of enthusiasm. Uh, it, it's important to have guys like out that guys like Antron out front leading the charge. No doubt. And we'll take him as in the winter circle as often as possible. Like you said, and a guy that's worked it up through the deal too. I mean, for pro stock motorcycle, to owning his own top fuel team. Now he's got his whole family involved. Uh, they did a cool segment uh, on the NHRA broadcast, I believe it was, a couple of weeks ago about his son and, and his the involvement that his son has on the team and sort of learning the ropes and just passing it on to the next generation. So just all around, from every angle, Antron is great for for drag racing, especially NHRA drag racing. And I, he's I got a great vibe too. I mean, does, just his, his, his vibe and he's, he's energetic and he, you know, you can just truly tell that he enjoys what he's doing. It's a classic example of like for all the right reasons. And I know that at times and these things sound cliche, but I, I really believe if you do the work, 
and you put in the time and the effort and you do it for the right reasons, success, money, those things, they'll follow. And it, it can be tough to, to wait it out but because it, it can be a grind. But man, I, I really think that that guy is going to have a, a very a very long and, career in and, our and sport. And how about him basically telling Don Schumacher, nah, man, I want to do this all on my own. That's the point we were just making, right? I mean, we run into it all the time. It's, man, it's one thing. We talked about this with Don Schumacher a couple of weeks ago. They talk all the time about, you know, how hard it is to find good help. Very true. But I find it to be equally difficult, if not more so, to keep good help once you have it. Because a lot of these guys, the Antron Browns of the world that are going to go deliver championships for you and represent you in a professional manner and, and make good with the sponsors and make good with the media, all the things Antron does – they're enterprising people. They, they are onward and upward. They're not going to be able to stand still for very long. They want to feel progress. They want to feel you know, a sense of accomplishment. They want to do it for themselves. And it, it's tough, man, because you have to really create a special environment. Not to say that DSR hasn't, excuse me, you know, but it is a very, very significant challenge to keep guys like that on your team because they're likely to go out and do it on their own, you know? So it's, it's good thing. Honestly, it really is. I, I know I tried to get Don to say this last week, but he really is something of a proud Papa for our sport. I mean, we yeah. need him. He has birthed innumerable superstars in the sport of drag racing. And uh, I hope he knows. And he has that, to know a guy as smart as him has, has to, to know when you've got, you know, the super team, and all that talent that they're going to branch out on their own. It's like a coach in the NFL, the coaching tree, the yeah. successful coaches end up with their assistants and all over the NFL as head coaches. And, and I think that they may say one thing publicly, but they're they have that proud Papa deal going on. Inside I sure think well. so. I sure think so. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, hey, let's switch gears dramatically here, right? Uh, We're going to go to the total opposite end of the earth when it comes to drag racing. And we're going to go all the way from the NHRA Heartland Nationals in Topeka, Kansas to the next, the most recent stop on the No Prep Kings Season 5 Tour, Osage Casino, Tulsa Raceway Park this past weekend. We saw the stars and cars of No Prep Kings take over. Tulsa Raceway Park. Place was packed out. Great racing from top to bottom. Justin Swanstrom takes out Lizzie Musi in the final round uh, to earn, I believe, his first win of 2022. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, first win for a screw blower in the invitational category. They made that switch a couple of months ago. It was huge news in our sport when they made the switch from a pro charter to a screw blower. We're seeing more of that. And our next guest, Marty Robertson has joined the fray as well, threw his hat into the ring with the No Prep Kings Futures category. For those that don't know, this is a kind of an open door policy part of the No Prep Kings season uh, filming where they welcome, come one, come all. If you want to come be a part of this movement and basically uh, kind of get your feet wet before maybe moving into the invitational category or, or finding your way wherever you're going to end up, this is where they where you go to do it. Marty Robertson's gone back to back, scored the win at the No Prep Kings stop at the end of July in Houston. Big win for the team and then switched combinations over the course of a month. This is hilarious. I mean, you just don't see this, right? You, especially early success. How many like combinations this. has the Badfish had in it? That's going to be a question. We'll have to Marty. ask him. I wonder if we can get him to like pull out the old uh, pull out some invoices. <laughs> we'll get this will get real exciting in a big hurry. But Marty Parks, uh, tables the Pro Charger combination, switches to a screw blower, sends the car up the road to St. Louis, Missouri, has it swapped over at uh, Larry Jeffers Race Cars uh, to a screw blower, comes out, first outing, puts the thing in the winner's circle. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the one, the only Fort Worth, Texas's own, right down the road from me, 12 minutes away, the one, the only Marty Robertson. What? 
<laughs> you guys are hilarious. <laughs> What's, What's going on, buddy? How many different iterations has the bad fish had? We, it's been everything but a nitrous car, right? It's literally been everything except for a nitrous car. What, what do you have against nitrous, man? Oh, he don't like it. Nothing. I, I just I'm not interested in pistons. It just it doesn't work for me. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It looks like you're doing well with the screw. Oh, yeah, my no, goodness, no. man. Well, hey, obviously, congratulations on all your success and uh, early success, which we, you know, in the sport of drag racing is uh, few and far between. But I, what I really want to talk to you about, Marty, is as someone who has seen the sport of drag racing from a lot of different angles, right? Um, I was first introduced uh, to Marty Robertson and the Bad Fish uh, Barracuda by way of Radio Verse the World, right? I think the first time our paths crossed were down in Valdosta, Georgia. It lights out many, many moons ago. Donald Long's big promotion, uh, big production down there at South Georgia Motorsports Park. Uh, you've ran uh, Radio Verse the World. You've done NHRA Pro Stock. You've done all sorts of street cars, high-end street strip stuff. And now you have dived into No Prep Kings competition. And I guess I would just like to know, could you compare and contrast it a little bit for us and give us a little insight as to your early impressions on the no prep world? I mean, we all see the videos. We all see the photos of these tracks packed out, people lined up. I mean, what's your take on this deal? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I mean, anybody who knows me knows that I'm an auto sports enthusiast, whether it's, you know, street, you know, high end street cars, drag racing, autocross isn't really my cup of tea, but I do like to watch a little bit and go out and play on the tracks a little bit from time to time just to take out some stress. But you're asking about, you know, give me give me perspective on the no prep racing, uh, probably in comparison to other types of racing. I'll be honest with you, my my initial interest in getting into no prep racing it is a lot like a lot of the guys that have been out there for a long time. I grew up as a young kid and as a young adult street racing in the streets of Fort Worth and Oklahoma and other states. I won't mention. Uh, so the, the the desire and the the draw to something that is like street racing is what No Prep Kings I see offering. Uh, you get out there with people that have real cars and uh, it's, it's not a bunch of pro mods running in the class that used to be real cars. It is real cars, real people, real street racers getting out there and demonstrating what they can do with their cars, their talents and their crews. And um, that was my initial draw to it. But I have to tell you, you know, I, I went and watched it a few times without taking a car before I took the car out. And after seeing how hard those guys were what the challenges are on, on racing on a track with that type of environment, a no prep track, you couldn't get any closer to real street racing and the competition out there. I mean, there's a, I've heard a bunch of different perspectives and views on what that program is, but I'm going to tell you those guys out there running that program, whether it's the invitational, whether it's race your way in or whether it's, it's, it's the guys trying to come up in the bottom, um, that is hard, hard racing, hard, hard work. You don't have a consistent environment being the track itself to race on ever. So you have to learn how to tune a lot of different environments and conditions at every race you go to. Every day you're there at the race, you have to be able to adapt at whatever's happening with that track and the environment out there. Those are some of the hardest working people in racing I've ever been around. And it's a tight knit community. Um, the, the platform that NPK and discovery has given to people that want to come out there and try this out is amazing. Um, you, you can go out there with just pretty much any kind of combination you want and, and be competitive, but it's a lot of hard work. It's a grind, but I'm going to tell you, it's extremely rewarding. Um, this, their fan base is bar none, the biggest and most loyal fan base you'll ever come across in drag racing. I, I have been blown away by the fans. 
Do you think that, like, I, that's the thing, is we were just talking with Antron Brown, you know, on the NHRA side of the fence about just kind of the overall health and well-being of the sport of drag racing. It feels like we're, you know, these are these are heady times for the sport. You know, car culture seems to be alive and well. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, a, a bad news bit here and there and whatever people want to talk about with electric vehicles and all this stuff. But by and large, man... Car culture is alive and well from the streetcar scene. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch, streetcar takeover, all these airport events. I mean, late model high performance vehicles. I, I mean, it's hard to, I don't know that you could number how many uh, twin turbo Corvettes and Dodge Vipers and Camaros exist in the country. Um, and then you go over to the no prep world and it's booming and everybody, don't you think the sport of drag racing, people get sensitive about this. But man, what Street Outlaws, the original show, uh, the 405 group there on the streets of Oklahoma and No Prep Kings, what they have done for the sport of drag racing, it, it can't be overstated. People get sensitive about it because I think it's easy to get jealous, right? You see those huge crowds and you hear how many t-shirts people are selling. And I think it's easy to get a little bit jealous, but man, they've made it fashionable to be a car guy again. I mean, it, it was when I was growing, I remember coming out of high school and I was like a weirdo for being a car guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it seemed like that ship had sailed, you know, yeah. whereas now, you know, you're just seeing it more and more. A guy with a shop rag in his back pocket, right? You're seeing guys with car shirts on, you know, that's, it just seems like they've reintroduced drag racing to popular culture. And I don't know that it's invaluable. I really but, believe it. You know, I, I got to say, I mean, you're, you're hitting on something that's very valid. And I've learned that just, just a short time I've been there is that, you know, the original guys, the original street outlaw guys, those are the guys that, that open this platform up for even the MPK guys. Yes. You know, televising it, putting it out to the masses, letting the whole world, you know, see what this is all about. I think they have uh, amazingly reinvigorated the sport of drag racing for sure by, by, by broadcasting and opening so many people through, through the social medias and through the TV networks. And, and that, that has set the platform for the MPK thing going on now. I, I, think, it's, I think it's not even close to peaking. I mean, not only from a racer perspective, but from a fan perspective, this thing is just like climbing, climbing, climbing like nobody's business. Do you, how much of, do you, how much of that, I agree, firstly, uh, but how much of that do you attribute to the focus on characters? I mean, we've seen, you've seen both sides of that here in 2022. It was all the hubbub on the internet, on the World Wide Webs here a few weeks ago when you and John Odom were going back and forth. And yeah. so you've seen both sides, the good and bad of the character building and some of those storylines that get worked up and seemingly out of nowhere. But how much of that focus on human beings do you think is driving the bus? Because I mean, we just I saw some comments here while I was interviewing Antron and there were plenty of people saying one of the last personalities, one of the only personalities in, in NHRA. Well, if you turn your head over towards No Prep Kings, I mean, from Ryan Martin to Chuck to Daddy Dave to Murder Nova, I mean, on Justin Swanstrom on down the list, there's personalities galore. Do you agree that that focus on the people is the difference? I would tell you that, that no doubt, first of all, there are some strong characters over there and, and very differentiating characters yes. as well. And, uh, but, but I'll tell you, it, it's obviously, you know, there's a production going on. They're filming, they're, they're making a TV show, which I think is phenomenal, not only for the program, but, but for the, the sport in general, because again, you're opening the door to people that would have never had access to it and people to understand how big and how awesome drag racing still is and can still be even bigger. So that, that's really cool. But the one thing I have to say is, as much as there's a production there, there's as much or more a drag race there. That is hardcore, all-out drag racing. There's no predicted outcomes. I mean, it is 
bring what you got, follow the rules, do your best, work hard, have the best crew you can put together, and go win a race. I mean, it is hard racing. Those guys are racing their butts off. Man, I was watching like from afar, obviously, um, our, our buddy Dion sending me videos and stuff like that. And I'm watching and then I see the winner circle photo and I look at the amount, the, the group that you have assembled around to be a part of Bad Fish Racing. I mean, you start thinking about Howard Moon, Mick Snyder. Let's start there. I mean, Mick Snyder is a former ADRL Pro Extreme World Champion, a dear friend of both of ours, yeah. um, but a really sharp young man. Um, but then you introduce also Howard Moon to the fold. You've got uh, Mike De Palma involved. I mean, you've got a great group of guys there: Jason Lee, Patrick Barnhill. Oh my goodness! I mean, Frankie Taylor was in the winner's circle photo, and yeah. I'm going. Can you kind of touch on what it takes to be successful in No Prep Kings right now? Because this is not some backyard hot rods. These are some of the best guys in the world coming out to do battle, as you said, on a largely unprepared outlaw eighth mile. I mean, you ain't showing up with, with a back half hot rod and a big block Chevy with two stages on it. I mean, and having any success. No, that that's absolutely right. I mean, you, you have to have a my belief is you have to have a purpose-built car to go out there and be be competitive to keep up with the guys that are currently running there. I mean, there are some stout cars, stout racers, stout crews, but to hit on the initial point you brought up, which is which is the team, you know, look, I, I've, I've known Mick for a lot of years. Um, when I first started running the blower years and years ago in the radio world, the first thing I did was hook up with Mick, and uh, he brought Howard Moon on board, and I had phenomenal success and going to the top very quickly with, with uh, those two guys. Now that I'm back with the blower, th that's what, what pushed me back to uh, thinking about Howard Moon again because he was very instrumental along with Meg in getting me going fast very quickly, you know, say 10 years ago even. And uh, immediately when we decided to go back to a screw blower, it was a no-brainer. That's who we got to get involved. And talk about the rest of my crew. I mean, Mike De Palma, his son Vincent, I mean, without these guys helping me, I couldn't do what I do. I could not do it by myself. I couldn't do it with a couple of hired hands. It, these guys, they are, they are embedded in the program. They believe in the car, the team. They celebrate and have just as much reward in going rounds or winning a race that I do. I mean, I watch these guys get excited after a win, and I think they're more pumped up than I am, and that, that's awesome. That gives me so much uh, excitement to go back and do it again because it's not just for me. It's for everybody. And... Even beyond that, I have to say the fans that I didn't even know existed out there, some from even 10, 12 years ago when I was radio racing, I've never even met before, come by and tell me about the experience they had when I was radio racing and won a race or whatever. And just, you know, Dion Walrath, I mean, he's, he's come on board to do my social media and all my content, and he's done a phenomenal job of reconnecting me with old fans and even with new fans now. Uh, allowing more and more people to be involved in what's going on here. And, and it's, again, not just about me and my car. It's about my team, and it's about the sport. It's about the NPK and the whole movement they've got going on, the platform they've given us to come do this. I mean, it, I just get goosebumps talking about it. This is one of the most exciting things I've done in a very long time. What, what do you make of the, you mean, a, a couple of things I want to touch on. First and foremost, the escalation of this deal. You talked about how you don't feel like No Prep Kings is anywhere near the end. Um, we've had conversations right here on this show, and I'm just curious if you agree. I mean, is there, what, what's your take on it? I mean, because there's a, there becomes like a point of diminishing returns, right? Where it gets too far gone. I think there are people that would argue it's too far gone now. Um, three second, 200 mile an hour, eighth mile door slammers. But 
I mean, that the sport of drag racing, door slammer drag racing as a whole could easily be described as completely out of control. I mean, we have 275 radial cars running well into the threes, right? So, yeah. but if you kind of table that perspective, do you, do you genuinely believe there's room to go? Do you think we're going to see more high level teams get involved or where do you think this deal, is it going to become, is there a, is there a thing in the future where there's going to be open in, you know, no prep races where the murder Novas in the world are showing up that are outside of no prep Kings. Do you think it'll exist primarily here? I mean, what do you think the future looks like for this type of drag racing? Well, I can't, I can't really speak to what happens outside of the no prep King uh, organization or, or, or that world. Uh, what I can tell you is what's interesting and me watching the show for so many years and now getting to go out there and be around some of these guys is that you're seeing different people win races now and the shifting of cars getting, I think the different platforms, the different teams and cars uh, are getting closer together and how they're competitive. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, but the biggest thing I, I would focus on and tell you to look at it is look at the crowd size out there. I mean, they fill the stands at every venue they go to, that you have four deep on, on every fence row, you walk through where all the cars are at the pits and there's just rows and rows of people all day long buying shirts, wanting autographs, wanting to come check out your car, wanting to talk to you about your car. And, and that's for every racer out there. Even if you're, you're a first timer coming out, you know, to, to do the, the, the small tire class, the big tire class, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're out there and you have a car, the people are, are surrounding you, wanting to talk to you, wanting to know about it. And the crowds are growing, they're not shrinking. So to me, that, that tells it all. It, it's not peaking. I mean, the crowds are growing every venue you go to. It, it's, it's a pretty neat movement. What do you make of, and I'm going to put you on the hot seat here, right? They're about to get uncomfortable. Um, I'm just joking. Uh, I've known you for quite a while now, and it's it's no secret that, you know, you weren't out here doing this for fame. There are plenty of people who have sprinted towards No Prep Kings in order to secure more sponsors, or they think they need to be on TV to get their program where they want, or they just want to be famous, right? I mean, everybody, you know, seeking that five minutes of fame. You... Marty Robertson, not so much. I mean, I've seen you in op, in in action many times when you don't want mentioned. Don't put my name on it. I yeah, I'll help, but I don't want. I don't need anybody to know about it. Um, which is an incredible thing about you, a very philanthropic guy. Um, but it this is a complete about face. Has it been hard to kind of accept becoming a, a racing celebrity and, and being a personality out here? Because I know you're just as content to you know, go back in the trailer and talk about tune-ups and look at data, but now you're out there signing autographs, slinging t-shirts. I mean, has this been a challenge for you personally to put yourself out there to this level? Well, it, just to make it clear, I, I don't view myself, you know, as you said, as a star by, by any respect or by any hey, man. However, um, it has been very humbling. Uh, I'm getting asked to sign t-shirts more and more. People are asking for spark plugs out of the car to put in their, their little trophy case or whatever. And, and it, it's humbling. Uh, it makes you feel good. But, but the cool thing about it really is just connecting with the people out there. Um, it's not about me. It, it's, it's, not a, it's not about the car. It, it is about my team because we're, we're, we're making an effort to go do something competitive. It doesn't matter what the sport is. When you do something competitive, there's no better feeling in the world than winning, right? So the feeling of winning is, is always the best thing. And you celebrate it as a family and as a team. It's, it's even more so uh, enjoyable. But for me, it, it's, uh, it's not about the fame. It's not about the money. It's not about trying to get sponsors. I'm not looking for any of that. I really enjoy the sport. I really enjoy the people that are out there. I've gotten to know, know some of the, the, the long-term racers. And I've got to give a shout-out. I don't know how many people know because it's not talked about very much. But I'm on Team Cali. And uh, that team right there, that group of racers, 
those are some of the best people you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, they're not just racers, but they are truly like a tight knit unit family. Um, they come over all the time and give me just a little bit of guidance. Hey, Marty, think about this. Hey, Marty, think about that. And it has been so helpful to have those people surround me and help guide me through this. Because when you go into this, you don't get a rule book. You don't get a, a set of guidelines to follow to, to, to do the program. You have to kind of find your way through it. To have somebody kind of behind you, pushing you this way, pushing that way, not really pushing you, but nudging you the right direction is what I should say, has been so inviting and so great to have a team like that. I'm very proud that I'm part of that team. Um, again, been very helpful. Bodie invited me last year and we had a hard time putting it together. It had to do with supply chain issues and getting parts and getting a car built. Um, shout out to Larry Jeffers. He put a car together in a very short order for me uh, to make this happen. It has been very supportive throughout the whole process and still supporting us. Um, but, but back to your original question, um, it's more humbling than anything less just to have people come up and know who the car is and know who the team is and, and call me by name and call the car by Hatfish. That's, that's all cool stuff. Um, but for me right now, it's just about look, fishing my way through this. And, and Hey, I said fishing, bad fish. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, it's a great but anyway, work, Working my way through the process and learning it all. And, and just, there's just so much support. Even some of the longtime invitational racers that I didn't know before have come over to introduce themselves and say, Hey, if you need anything, let me know. I'll help you out. You know, just, you just need help meeting people or whatever. So uh, great community of people, all of them out there. Um, they, they, they've been, they've been fantastic to race with. And, and what, are, what are your future aspirations? How do you see this whole deal shaken out? I mean, is the ultimate goal to be a part of that invitational field? I mean, is that kind of what we're seeing here is, is Marty Robertson and the bad fish racing team going out there and kind of paying their dues, so to speak. I mean, it, it to be honest, I've, I've found it, I think it's a fantastic storyline that exists in the sport of drag racing to see guys such as yourself um, being willing to do that. You know, that's a tough road to hoe, you know, go around and feel like you're kind of, you're right there, you're on the cusp, but the the invitational kind of, is that where you guys want to be? Is that something that you can see happening in the future? Is that the yeah, goal? 100%, that's the okay. desire, is to, is to get an invitational. Look, you know, we're, my whole team, we're ultra competitive. All we care about is winning. It's hard work. I mean, especially this time of year when you're out there racing oh in August. I mean, August anywhere in the southern half of the U.S., just brutal heat. I mean, you're exhausted every day, all day. You don't sleep good. You wake up and you do it again over and over. You know, so, yeah, it's it's about winning as a team. It's about celebrating a win as a team. Uh, so, and, and we're ultra competitive. So, yes, we absolutely want to go out there and race with the big dogs. And, uh, and we know it's going to be no easy feat. And we know we're going to have to pay dues. We know we're going to get our, our assets handed to us, for lack of better words, for a little while. But we're willing to put in the work to get out there and be competitive with those guys that let us in. Uh, again, there's no roadmap to do that. Um, not sure what the process is. Don't care. We're going to work hard. We're going to push, 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 and hopefully earn our way to be recognized enough to be invited to come, come race our way in. Speaking of which, it was, like I said a minute ago, um, dealing with some of the personalities and knowing that there are people, you know, that are trying to create a storyline. Do you kind of get a kick out of watching that, you know, from afar, like and seeing these things? Because I can just imagine, Marty, like seeing somebody getting all up in arms and you're a you're an even keeled guy for the most part. Right. And I can see you just like, oh, my gosh, everybody takes this stuff so seriously. I mean, is it kind of funny and fun to watch it unfold? I mean, we know it's serious business. Right. But you yeah. can see that there are people, some people lean into the character a little bit more than others. Sure, sure. No, absolutely. There are people out there who you never hear a peep out of that have been racing. They race well. They win some of the rounds. They win some of the races. You got other guys that are, you know, it seems like are all about the character. 
Um, he, everybody saw the video that John Odom put out about he and I up, up in the NMCA debacle up there in Mark, Michigan. Um, you know, but that, that's, a, that, that's a funny thing. I, I, I don't know what the original intent of that video was. Uh, <laughs> at, at the end, he and I, you know, shook hands, misunderstanding, no big deal. But there, there is a barrage of different um, levels of characters, if you will. And uh, again, I, I don't know uh, the, the path, but I, I know that to your point, I'm a humble guy. I'm a quiet guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a no fuss kind of guy, but I do have buttons. You push them, you're going you're to get buttons pushed back. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. We'll see what comes in the future. But, you know, I'm not out there to, to, to be a character. Um, but my personality, my true personality will come out as I get more and more uncomfortable with my environment, if that makes sense. It 100% does. Okay, Marty, I know you're a busy guy. Last thing, um, but this is a good one. You mentioned it a minute ago, uh, an in-house content guy. Uh, I think this is something that it, just to kind of take this towards a, a lesson or a business lesson, how important is that to the operation at this stage in the game? I mean, I don't know that people, you know, especially outside of the no prep Kings and street outlaws world where it's kind of commonplace. Uh, but I remember talking to Stevie Jackson after he went down and competed in uh, Cletus McFarland's YouTube uh, demo derby race. Uh, Lyle Barnett went down there, was involved, yeah. actually teamed up with Stevie and they both came back come saying, Oh my God, everybody there had cameras everywhere. There's GoPros on everything. Every, they've got a photographer following them around. You're putting that exact program in place uh, for your racing operation. You mentioned Dion a minute ago. What do you think that that is something that we will see take hold eventually in NHRA? Because I think there's a lesson there. I really do that being willing to have the car, the camera pointed at a driver, a human being. That, that's kind of a what's it's not a common thing over on the professional, you know, the NHRA side of life. Do you think that's going to become an increasingly important part of a race team. I mean, you got a crew chief, you got a clutch guy, you, you got a truck driver. I think we're going to see very soon where you better have somebody with a camera in their hands. Uh, well, so, so you are putting me on the hot seat, of course, like you said you were. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a very critical component, especially uh, over with what we're doing at the platform at MPK. It, it's critical because that's how you're going to get the awareness of your team, your car, your racing program out to the masses. You're going to build your fan base by doing that. Uh, I think it's ultra critical. Uh, one, you want the support. You want the support of the fans. That's that's the that's the main reason you're going out there is to interact with the people. Uh, number one, going over to the professional side of things. I mean, here as of late, the last couple of months, you've seen a couple of professional teams start to do some in pit uh, content live during races. I think it would be very wise uh, for the professional level racing teams to grab a hold of this and do it for themselves because nobody else is going to do it for them. I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad that you said that because that's something that I've been saying right here on this program for 270 episodes yeah. that it is, we're in a time where the tools are readily available, right? I mean, yes. and I, you've got a high definition camera in your pocket more than likely. And it's, it is high time to take matters into your own hands because you can't wait for discovery. You can't wait for Pilgrim. You can't wait for Fox or ESPN. You have the opportunity to tell your story yourself and man, spin that camera around and start talking to it because people want to hear what these folks, uh, what, what the racing community, what their heroes and their competitors have to say. And it, a high tide lifts all boats, man. Well, Marty, thank you so much for your candor, your time. Uh, we genuinely appreciate getting to spend a little bit of time with you on a Wednesday afternoon, man. Thank you, Wes. Appreciate it, buddy. No problem, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Marty Robertson.
Man, what did hey, dude? I know that uh, Mike, uh, we we were kind of bouncing around a couple of oddities here with guests. We had Bob Tasca in the green room for a minute, then we got wires crossed somewhere. Yeah, I don't both, know. Uh, both him and uh, Justin Bond had uh, other things that they had to do. So um, Justin Bond was jumping on a plane. Bob Tasca was having an important board meeting. So. Uh, we'll get both of those guys on again soon. Yeah, we'll get them on next week, man. What do you make of uh, all that MPK stuff? I mean, just you know, kind of hearing it from Marty, I think it's very interesting to talk about those crowds. How big of a deal are crowds? I don't know that it's a huge crowd. I mean, it's uh, a huge crowd. A huge crowd is a huge deal, man. I mean, I, I just I mean, know I know from my experience with my dad, racing in front of a huge crowd brought out the best in him. You're gonna get a long burnout. You're gonna get, you know. Uh, little staging duels or, or, you know, burn downs, whatever you want to call matters, it. Man. Atmosphere matters. And a lot of these guys will tell you they'll forego the check or the trophy, maybe not the trophy, but they'll forego the check if there's a big crowd there. And, and I think MPK is doing all three of them. And, and I just, it's cool to hear Marty who's had success in other realms of racing sort of give his experience to wading into what we think is the circus over there and everyone is a character or whatever and you got to kind of find your way uh and i think a guy like marty people there's a reason why people were a little bit concerned about him or a manny bajinga coming in there and we're already seeing that with marty with two straight wins um and, and i don't know what the path is like marty said but it'll be interesting to see if that if if his if he continues the success or even the success he's had this year, is that the path to getting an invitational uh, berth or or however that works? I don't know. I think that that's the thing we talk about it a lot. And I know there's a lot of questions about how do you get in? How do you get in? I think you got to be there. I think you got to stand the test of time. I mean, that seems to be kind of one of the key things. I point to Justin Swanstrom. I point to Callie Mills. Some people that went out and tore up a bunch of stuff, toured all over creation, went to Idaho, went to Denver, you know, did a lot of these things that are not glamorous, made those long drives, struggled, tore up a bunch of stuff, and they were still there. And I think it's that demonstrating some staying power, mm -hmm. but it's also, I think, demonstrating some star power. I mean, we can see, we measure these things internally where we go back and look at, you know, the, the rate, you know, how a video did when who was on there and how many views it got and how many shares it got. And I can tell you right now, just by this program here today, Marty's a, a needle mover. I, yeah. I truly believe that Mar Marty's a needle mover. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the no prep Kings group handles this, I guess, just over the long haul here. And because they've got guys like Manny Bajinga won four races in a row, I believe um, that are, that want to be involved And my big takeaway from it is man, they've created the hot thing. And I don't know that it matters what kind of cars they're racing. I don't know that it matters what size the tire is. I don't know that it matters wheelie bars or not. I don't know. I don't know that any of that stuff matters. That's the place to be. That's what people are talking about. It's where the crowd is, right? It's where the action they is. They have the leverage. And, and you they see, can do it. You they see can operate however competitive, they want. Yeah, I mean, you see highly competitive people like Marty Robertson, like Manny Bajinga, and many others, right, that are going, you know what? I don't care what they're doing. I want to throw my hat in the ring with those guys, and, and I want to see how I do. I want to I want to be there. And my takeaway from it is, you know, who's laying awake? I hope someone's laying awake at night in Glendora, California, or Indianapolis, Indiana, at the NHRA, or at some of these other sanctions and series, asking themselves, what can we do to make our premier category the talk of town? What can we do? Are, you, are we really thinking about what's important to these guys? Like, how quick can we get our racing on a television show? How, how quick can we, you know, 
pack these tracks out, not wonder like, hey, this is a track we do okay at. This is a track we do okay at, but these ones are kind of lukewarm. Maybe you should find ways to solve that problem. I know it's not as easy, you know, as maybe we're making it sound, but if radio ads and TV ads aren't working, maybe you got to give away 10,000 tickets. Maybe you got to give away 50,000 tickets. What can you do to create that atmosphere, right? That people will crawl across broken glass. I, I think to, I would to be there. It would be nice if it was that easy or you could do it overnight like that or make a right. change. But what we're seeing with MPK is something that's been building for years. It's built off the success of the original Street Outlaws show and the way these guys build characters and have built them across five seasons now and continue to do that. That is what gets people uh, to commit to going to these races or, or fans to travel across the country to go. They want to see their stars. And, and unfortunately, the only way to do that is like to start now and to start <laughs> building uh, you know, start building those opportunities and, and those stars and, and take some of the focus off just, you know, what happens at your actual event. I think NBK is like a, such an interesting case study in, in so much of this stuff. And back to our original point, they can, they can kind of do whatever they want. Like this, this past weekend, they had a, a tragic death of one of the uh, main producers of the show. And, they decided they're not going to uh, accrue points and that that episode's not going to be filmed for TV and the show goes on and any normal drag racing situation would the decision would have been different. I'm not saying it would have been better or worse, but that was sort of that's a little bit unprecedented when you think about it in, in how they're handling it, because it is they're having to they're having to do so many different things at one time. They're having to film a TV show. They're having to put on a, an event. They're having to manage all these personalities, all these things that are going on. And at the end of the day, they can make the decision that they feel is best for them without really caring about the impact it's going to have on the sport or anything else. They're kind of operating in their own little bubble. And I thought it was interesting to see uh, that from MPK this weekend. Yeah, because to your point, and that should become a drinking game as well, um, to your point, it's a great line in a, in a show a like this yeah. in a podcast. It's, it's a go-to. Well, it's like, dude, can you imagine in a situation where the NHRA would decide on Friday that they're not contesting or they're not counting this one? I mean, there's yeah. been times where there's been boycotts or they've, you know, out of respect, decided not to continue the event or something. But yeah, they, I felt like it was a, a bit of a unique approach. But it, to, I mean, it goes to show you they can basically do whatever they yeah. want. You know, they're writing their own rules um, from week to week. And it's a really incredible thing that they've got this deal to the point where they can do that type of stuff, man. I mean, and it's not, I don't know. It's a very, very interesting situation. It's another example honest. of the leverage that they, and, and just that they're in the driver's seat. Yeah. Massive, massive leverage. And I, I think that what I want to see happen next really and I think this could happen and I don't know how they handle it, but I mean, are we in the coming, you know, days, weeks, months, I think that there is a possibility that we could see the futures category become as interesting as the invitational itself. I mean, obviously there's huge star power over there and it, you know, nothing's going to be as big of a deal as yeah. Lizzie Musi and Daddy Dave and Murder Nova and Ryan Martin and all these superstar personalities, right? But I mean, imagine if the stars and moon align in the coming weeks in Idaho, perhaps, and you see Manny Bajinga's Red Mustang alongside Marty Robertson's Bad Fish Barracuda. I mean, I'm talking, this is a, we could see some things happen inside that futures category that could really stand on its own is my that point. That may be that may be incentive for uh, 
Pilgrim or, or the No Prep Kings organization to move those guys into the Invitational because you don't want that cannibalizing the Invitational. If that show becomes too good or, or, if, or if the racing over there is – uh, you know packed with stars it's like we need to take a look at this and move some of these guys up and open up spots and opportunity for another crop to come in because that's i'm feeling a spinoff i just saw it in the comments here i want to put it past them making a spinoff mm -hmm. i mean that's just something that we see these reality shows do they multiply they're like rabbits right i mean they've got one and the next thing they every character like they can't make enough of show them. they can't make enough of them and i just would not at all be surprised that's why i asked marty do you see this going beyond the filming of a show, right? I mean, that's what we're, they're doing. There's 15 locations that they're going to film an episode of No Prep Kings here in 2022. But I'm wondering if in the future, yeah, you've got that. You've got the No Prep Kings thing, and it's this controlled cast. You've got 32 guys that are and gals that are the stars of your show, and you continue to build that and develop it and fill holes as needed. But I do wonder if they couldn't bring back kind of that Bristol mega race type of environment where once, twice a year, spring and fall, there's the no prep nationals or whatever. And some of those guys show up, but it's come one, come all. I just really think that that could be something that would elevate, would take that deal to the next level. And when I see the people that are getting involved with no prep Kings, I can't help but feel like something like that is on the horizon. I mean, it was uh, made public here in the last couple of weeks that former general manager at the Texas Motorplex, Andy Carter, very well-known, respected, liked guy in our industry has joined the fray there. Um, gotten involved with Sam Corcus and the team at uh, Pilgrim Studios. They've had Jim Hughes involved with the series since its inception. Uh, another guy that's beloved in our sport, uh, very well-known, very well-respected. There's clearly some pieces in place that would allow them to kind of take this deal to the next level. Not that they need to, not that there is even another level for them to uh, pursue, to be totally honest, but it does feel like there's something in the works. I'm seeing some people here, uh, Sledgehammer Motorsports going to happen with small tire. I agree. I mean, I think that their seeds are being planted for whatever's going to be, you know, the next version of this. Because I, I would not be at all surprised to hear Sam Corcus or the people that are involved there saying that, hey, we've already got concepts for, eight different iterations of this just ready to go when the market, when the time is right. Do and you that's agree? smart. That's another smart thing that we talk about companies doing. You work in the future like that on ideas, two, three, four iterations down the road, but you have to have that discipline to sort of hold them back because if you release it all at once, then you know, you're, they're going to cannibalize each other and you're, the flame is going to burn out quicker. And it would not surprise me at all if that's the case. I'm sure they've got a roadmap five years in it. I mean, I think of Apple, right? Um, Apple's a I mean, great there's, example. There's stories about, you know, Brad Anderson Engineering, you know, right here in our sport where they've got, you know, the Brad 22 heads are already developed. You know, I'm being exaggerative here with the Brad 22s, but I'm just saying that they've, they've but like you said, it requires the discipline to say, hey, we're not going to release that. We don't need to release that yet. You know, we can wait two, three drag years racing, two, three it's so tempting. to do that. Oh, it's it, so tempting. Everyone wants to just rotate the earth to tomorrow. We're going to make the, the change that's going to change everything. Well, hey, guys, um, let's do a few minutes. I got a couple of script reads we got to do, buddy. Uh, so let's let's do a little bit of Q&A. Let's get JT in here and have JT deliver some questions. We'll do 15, 20 minutes of Q&A. Guys, um, I want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of this again, man. It's uh, it, 
seeing these crowds and seeing the comments, it really, really, really makes this a lot of fun. So thank you for being a part of it. If you're watching along, remember to click like, click subscribe, click share, help us spread the gospel of drag racing. And even more importantly, support the companies that support us. Uh, Elite High Performance right down the road here in Fort Worth, Texas. Log on to EliteHP.com, updated daily and ever-changing inventory. Stroud Safety, 100% made in America safety products right up the road in Oklahoma City. Of course, Mark Beatty and the gang at Redline Synthetic Oils supporting us start to finish. Um, and as well as Flow Racing, the world leader in sports live streaming. Uh, a huge partner of ours here at Drag Illustrated and the West Buck Show. They're actually airing episodes of the West Buck Show right now. Uh, I heard through the grapevine, Mike, this is big news, that they're showing clips from the show during oil downs and during downtime at uh, some of the races oh, they're, really? they're broadcasting. Yeah, during the PDRA race, during any downtime, they were playing clips of the show. So awesome. big things happening around here, man. But let's get a couple of... Uh, Q and A's here. JT's telling me that Wait, he doesn't this, have is this an official? Up. Is this an official like after hours event? JT, do you have your? Do you have any booze on you? You got, you got your Coors. Yeah, I just ready? got. I just got. Like, I don't have them ready. Oh, I can go get one. All right. See, here we go. We've got a question right now from oh. Drag Race Central. Do you guys think the NHRA national event structure needs to be re reworked, giving sportsmen racers their own events? Ooh, I'm gonna piss some people off right here. No. <laughs> Um, no, I don't. I, the question about this has been something that's been kind of floating around the sport of drag racing for a long time. Should the NHRA pro show be separated from the sportsman show? I can make an argument for it. I really can. I, I do think that there is room in the sport of drag racing for an entertainment based program, a, a tighter, more concise uh, offering, something that's more of a half a day or an evening, something like that, a thrill show. I do think of Monster Jam. I know people get tired of that reference, but it's a solid one, right? It's a great example of a, of a tightly uh, or, across together all show. Entertainment. We talk about the condensed shows. You know, a concert is what, three hours long or something? Yep. Football games are three hours long. Con having an NHRA pro only show that's three, four, five hours long on, on a Friday or Saturday. I think that could work. That would I work. Too. I think, I, I, I think mean, that I, there's room for it. I, I think that it could happen, but the problem is your sportsman, you have to go into it well knowing that your sportsman program is not going to stay what it is. People sleep on the fact that the magic of Brainerd this coming weekend, the magic of the U S nationals is being guilty by association. You want to tow across the country right to enter super gas because John force is going to be there because, Ron, because it's a national event. Be willing to post that on your Facebook. You <laughs> may not be willing to tell everybody that, but the fact remains that that is a difference maker. I've done it. I have personal experience in putting up crazy amounts of money, crazy amounts of special treatment, um, fanfare, pomp, circumstance, all these things. I mean, I, I, I can tell you from personal experience, putting up $100,000 to win in year three of the World Series of Promont in Denver, Colorado, and having 11 cars show up, right? No entry fee, right? Park red carpet, park in the staging lanes if you want. Whatever you want, we'll give it to you. Beer, ice, <laughs> deep fuel for your generator, whatever you want, we'd have given it to you. The very next, well, what, two weeks later, there was 35 cars parked in the gravel at the NHRA U.S. Nationals to race for $10,000 and be treated like animals, right? And it just goes to show you that that people want to be there. It is very difficult to, 
to, to outrun that. The 60, 70 years of tradition, the Wally, um, just again, the guilty by association, being in the pits with all these superstars and all these living legends and perusing the staging lanes and bumping into Connie Coletta or bumping into Tony Schumacher, that it's very difficult to outrun that. I mean, there's, it's very difficult with any amount of, and NHRA's uh, business models built around that. Also, It is about getting as many cars in there as they can. And hopefully as many fans and dragging this thing out as long as possible. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? I mean Red Fergus is in the comments right here. Isn't it a divisional, like a national event without the pros? And I mean, yeah, it is. And the proofs in the pudding, that's a tough sell. I mean, it's just even in the title is difficult because I mean, do NBA games draw better than G League games? Yeah, these are the pros, and I everybody gets sensitive about it because well, Drag, all... Drag Race Central says that right here that if they want them to be, uh, if they want the sportsman's class to be minor league, you know, minor leagues usually don't compete in in the pros, you know, on the same day at any other. I agree. Games. I think the changes the the change that I would make is was would be to find a way to make the sportsman programs stand stand on their own a little more so like I've often thought in the past that like I was kind of thinking more along the lines of pro stock but taking one of your categories that are healthy pro stock pro mod and letting them be the show on Saturday night you know they qualify on Friday and they race on Saturday night and give people a reason to come Saturday and watch this particular show if that's what they're particularly passionate about and it kind of clears some of the people out of the pits clears some cars out of the run order for Sunday so that you can move faster with your other categories I like that. I like that idea. And you could, you could split it up, even have pro stock and pro mod even. Yeah. Or, or whatever, you know, but yeah. And, and make the show good for Saturday night. I mean, people want to see a good show on Saturday night, right? I agree, man. I mean, I'm, you know, we're obviously considering putting on another race next year. Uh, and that's the first thing that I task myself with is if I do a three day race, how can I make it worth buying a ticket on Friday, worth buying a ticket on Saturday, worth buying a ticket on Sunday? How can I make it worth coming back each night right and you have to you've got to give the fans something that they're not going to be able to see like you have to give them some finality i think that's one of the sport of drag racing's issues is that finality is hard to come by right i mean if you want to see something start to finish you're camping across the street from the track thursday to monday i mean it's a rough go of it but i think if you give people an opportunity to see something you know, begin and end. I go, this is a crazy example, but big dog, the big dog shootout at Piedmont Dragway. It's a Thursday night. They start qualifying at five. They run the final at 10. That's probably even too long. I mean, five hours is, is a full night, but still you're getting home, getting people home they at a turn reasonable those cars time. They can still go minutes. to work. 15 turn, minutes is the between round time. Nuts, clock. Man, I, love I, it. I mean, in street outlaws is uh, MPK spoilers is in the comments right now talking about that was one of the smartest things that Pilgrim studios did with no prep Kings is introducing that grade eight on Friday night. Before that, it was the team attack, but the whole effort behind that was giving folks a reason to you, stay there for the game on, on Saturday night. Yeah. Cause you are entertaining this crowd. You're putting on a show. And you need, you, yeah, you have to give them something. You know, it's why show up? You know, why, why not just wait till Sunday then if that's the case? What you know, I think I would people. love to see, I don't know that the NHRA, I think they need less events and I know that's a tough sell, but I think here's the way I would do it. 
I would reduce the schedule to like 16 or 18 national events. These go to strong markets. And I even thought about maybe having two dates that are like entered into a lottery where, hey, this year, you know, you've got to be an NHRA member track. Try to incentivize being an NHRA member track. And as long as you fit within these confines, we're going to do a lottery every year and we're going to do a national event in a new area. You know, and maybe it's only a dozen tracks and or six tracks and you're rotating around. Like one year they go to Columbus because Columbus won the lottery, like the number one, the NBA number one draft pick, right? I mean, you could create content around it and you could introduce NHRA to like a new market or somewhere that you don't normally go that maybe doesn't have all the creature comforts of a Z-Max or a Vegas or whatever, but you could go to a market and introduce yourself, make a big impression. Maybe you pull back on some of the show. You don't run all those sportsman categories. I also thought about financially how you would offset that reduction in um, how you would offset that reduction in revenue would maybe by doing taking the WWE example of doing house shows where maybe six times a year you do smaller shows that aren't you know SummerSlam but they're like some of your go to guys or some of your B teams that don't have you know and you go to Darlington right? You go to smaller venues, you bring a, you, instead of running a 16 car field, you run eight, or maybe you just book in four top fuel cars, four funny cars, and it's going to be an NHRA house show. And we're going to go to this track. That's tiny. Um, we're going to run the cars eighth mile instead of a thousand foot or whatever, because there's not a lot of shutdown. Be willing to make those changes to get the brand in new markets, get kind of take some of that barnstorming match race days from the sixties and seventies and eighties and bring that back because a you would give your some of your lesser talent and not, not lesser talent but just not as far along in their process give those guys an opportunity to flourish without having to race freaking antron brown without having to race uh you know steve torrance and some of these world beaters that have massive resources and have all this experience let a guy like cameron foray comes to mind let a guy like will smith let those guys go earn their stripes at four five six annual house shows. I mean, you could create a series. Like I would go to a sponsor and say, Hey, we need to do six house shows in 2023. We need to pay these guys to show up. Nope. No winner's purse, right? Get just, we're going to get each guy's going to get money to show up. You're going to get to make two runs on Friday. And then we're going to bring you back for a shakedown on Saturday, mid morning or whatever. And then we're going to draw names out of a hat and run a little shootout. Right. And just give these guys an opportunity to go get themselves out there, make runs, just get in the rhythm of it. Because I, you know, I look it'd at some nice, of these guys that throw nice their hat into the ring. Take some balls, man. It'd be nice if you had uh, sponsors big enough where you could have some big teams where you could actually do something like this, where those guys were earning their stripes to get into an, a ride. You know, like that's your. Because where do you go to do that yeah. right now? I yeah. mean, you, you don't. You know, I think about imagine being Will Smith. Your own team. You got to build your own. Will Smith. You got to build your own team. You imagine be being Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. You know, clean cut, well spoken young guy, chock full of talent and energy and enthusiasm, piss and vinegar. The dude's got it right, and he's he's a smart marketer. He's a sales guy. Like he knows the lay of the land. How does that dude? I mean, how does he really? establish himself. I mean, he's either going to have to rent a ride, build his own program like a la Krista Baldwin. I mean, I think about some of the young folks we have in our space right now, man, if there was a, if we could create an environment that fostered organic growth, like it's a miracle that Antron Brown worked his way up the ranks and went from pro stock motorcycle to owning his own top fuel team, right? I mean, that is 
he's the exception to the rule. I mean, the rule is you're rich as hell, you've got a need for speed, and <laughs> you go buy all the best stuff and hire all the best guys, right? If we could, if there was a place for guys, this is why the IHRA, this is a great little segue, segue, this is why it's so important that the IHRA is healthy because that's what the IHRA was in many ways. I know that people get sensitive about that stuff. Nobody wants to play second fiddle, but that's really what it was. Guys went and ran IHRA national events and cut their teeth and earned their, you know, learned how to do it with hopes of eventually moving into NHRA competition. I think the NHRA needs its own IHRA. Like it needs its own in-house feeder system so that a person that maybe doesn't have 1.5 million but has 500,000 or has a quarter million this shit's not that exp- I mean you maybe, can maybe, maybe that's why it doesn't get the respect that it probably deserves you know in sports is because you know it's pretty well known that if you have enough money you could probably you know that's buy the, yourself a, a, a nice you know a good program basically that's the challenge across all of racing too yeah. but i think yeah, but, HRA, no, but more probably more in drag racing oh yeah for than, sure than because it's other, a other racing there's a class for you whatever car whatever however fast right. you want to go we got something for you and that is the problem with drag racing trying to present itself as an entertainment show because at its core it's trying to serve so many masters and it's trying to get every car on the track from top fuel all the way down to you know, whatever Z stock stock or whatever. And you got to get them all on there on the same day or on the same weekend. And it all just gets kind of cluttered. The, the, the shows and the um, organizations and the motorsports that do the best as far as presenting entertainment in a concise package, have just one event, like a NASCAR race. It's three hours long. We got one, one type of car on track and that's it. And, And I think that that, until we, start separating some of this stuff out. I think basically what your points have been is that the stuff kind of needs to all be compartmentalized and separated. And until we're able to figure that out, it's good. We're going to have this challenge. Well, and I think it, it goes back to this ongoing identity crisis that exists in the sport of drag racing and the ego, right? I mean, and it's, I've had conversation with folks before when the, the answer was obvious, uh, I won't name names. I should. It's 2022, <laughs> so I will. I was having a discussion with a guy, Mike Baker, at the IHRA. Um, he was the technical uh, director for the IHRA. This would have been at PRI like a decade ago. Man, and they he were, had a tough job. He did have a tough job. Um, and I like Mike, Mike a lot, to be honest. But I remember having a conversation with him, and I said to him, I was involved with the NHRA Pro Mod Series at the time, and we had a pretty solid rule set. I mean, roots were at like 2,600 and 14 and a half over or 14 over and nitrous cars were at like 2,450. And this was when like 855s was a big engine, a lot of clutch cars. I mean, it was, it was pretty good, right? The cars were running like 580s and we had decent car count. It was growing. There was some momentum and news broke that the IHRA was going to kind of return to its roots. This was when Scott Gardner uh, took over as president of the IHRA And there was really a lot of excitement and enthusiasm around this. Like Scott's a great guy, well-known, successful track operator, a lot of friends, a lot of of people uh, really respect Scott Gardner. So I thought IHRA, man, these guys are about to do something big. So I went and got Mike, uh, grabbed Mike Baker by the arm and I said, hey man, what do I got to do to get you guys to just run NHRA rules? Like what we could do here, and it's a tough, I get it, a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, but if IHRA would just run NHRA rules, we will 
increase the inventory for the for the whole community, right? We won't have guys. I remember having to this make, conversation. It was at you PRI, were standing beside yeah, yeah. standing right there. Yeah. And uh, I begged him. I didn't. I mean, you did. I you. Yeah, begged you did. him. I and said, it made, hey, and it made sense. It didn't make sense not to do it, really. No, I mean, yeah. and I told him. I said, man, we could do something really significant for the sport of drag racing right now because we're going to give guys opportunities to race. You know, is at the time the heaviest hitters in the category Mike Castellana, Belushi, Danny Rowe, Brad Personette. The list goes on. Uh, Steve Matusik, we and I was I tried to convince them that these guys may not come run every IHRA race, but they'll run two or three. And if you guys have confidence in your product, that's what you need. All you need to do is get them on your side of the fence, and then it's up to you to get them to come back. It's up to you to make them feel like this is where they want to be. But they're not going to come at all if they've got to change all their stuff to do it, you've right. got to reduce the barrier to entry. So there's, a, let's say there's a hundred some car at the time, let's say the NHRA Pro Mod series probably had like 25 to 30 active participants. I said, all these guys could literally go to one of your races on a one weekend, leave their rig at the trail at the track and then, you know, haul over to an NHRA race the next weekend. This would be a fantastic thing. And he literally looked at me and said, I, I ain't, kissing the NHRA's ring. We ain't running their rules. We're going to do our own rules. We're going to have IHRA rules. IHRA is where ProMod started. And I was like, yeah, I agree. You're not wrong. And I understand how difficult that is, but we can't let our ego get in the way on this shit. We just can't. And that's, I think, something that I hope everybody, we all need to accept that to some extent because drag racing, we get in our own way a lot. I mean, we got like ripped to shreds on uh, the Drag Illustrated Facebook page a couple of weeks ago because we put up a list of the top 10 winningest pro, pro, pro top 10 winningest drivers in NHRA history. And I guess we didn't adequately label it pro or sportsman or sportsman only or pro only. And people get all up in arms. Dude, the NBA doesn't count the Harlem Globetrotters in their record book, right? <laughs> it's the Harlem Globetrotters. It's a completely, I mean, it goes without saying, but the egos are so big. And that's the problem. We're not going to get people to want to level up if everybody gets treated the same. I think that's one of the issues that exist in PDRA is that everybody, whether you're a top junior dragster or top dragster, junior dragster racer or a junior dragster racer or a pro 632 guy or a pro nitrous guy, they make a massive effort to make everybody feel like we're here for you. And that is great. That's something the PDRA should be proud of. However, it does create an environment where why do I want to level up? Why do I want to move up to the next class? Because we all race for good money. We all get primo parking. Does that make sense? I mean, I do think that you've got to give, so you got to put some breadcrumbs down to get people to want to aspire to move to the next level. It's, a, it's a, obviously a very tough thing because we all think what we're doing is the most important thing in the world, right? But man, we have to find a way to get out of our own way in, in some of these places. Johnny Placino in the comments, look at PDRA Pro 632 this past weekend, held three NHRA Pro Stock cars um, because they allowed that package in their rules and it added to the show. No doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. Brian McCaddy, um, we'll, we'll take a couple more questions if you guys want to throw them in there because I got all revved up there and now I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> better go yeah. change shirts, change. Um, that's uh, right. <laughs> any inside info on Jeffers' ideas or his vision for NHRA? I know he's just taking the reins, but curious if you guys have heard anything. Um, we've reached out. All that we've heard so far is a... Sportsman, sportsman, sportsman. That was exactly what was said to me was sportsman, 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 that they are going to 
put invest heavily in further developing their sportsman program. It's no secret in the sport of drag racing that the IHRA um, Summit Super Series was far and away the best sportsman program in all of drag racing. Um, and I think that they're looking to kind of get the IHRA sportsman program back to its uh, uh, back to where it used to be. What happens beyond that? I really don't know. I I've asked those questions. I mean, is there a future that's going to include funny cars or is there a future that's going to include pro stock or pro mod? Um, I don't think that's on the radar immediately. I really don't. Mike, have you heard otherwise? I haven't. No, I haven't. Nope. Yeah. Okay, so Drag Race Central, 110% agree. If you're wanting to get treatment like a Nitro team, go Nitro Race. I agree. And I know that's can be tough, you know, and it can be a tough pill to swallow. But, man, it's uh, we have to do more of that. We have to make sure that their incentives are there. And you know what? NHRA, the higher-ups, the people in power, they they have responsibility there, too, because there's ways to do it, and it typically starts with the winner's check. You know what it I does, mean? It does. We said that the whole time. You know, like you got to pay these guys. They're professionals. You know, you're giving them breadcrumbs. You know, you got guys over here on the No Prep King series making more money. I it just you and know, and, I mean, and I'll tell you, man. There has to be. You know, I'm seeing something go on right now in the NHRA Pro Mod series. I'm seeing there's the racers. The onus to promote the series is being thrust onto the racers. I don't know if you guys have seen it. J.R. Gray is posting up memes. Lyle Barnett's posting up memes. Um, I believe Stevie Jackson. And what has happened is this racer, this group of racers has taken it upon themselves. Like, man, we got to get people excited. We got to get people talking about this stuff. We've got to do what some of the other groups are doing, and they're doing it. But that's problematic because that's not really the responsibility of the racers. If it comes naturally and it's happening and it's authentic, I think that makes sense. But... The same way there has to be Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, there has to be Vince McMahon. There has to be a circus master. And I really think that that's what the NHRA needs right now is somebody that is extremely passionate about this stuff that will serve as the circus master, will serve as the promoter, will drive the bus and wave the flag. And then when J.R. Gray and Justin Bond go head to head and there's some words exchanged, that's just gravy right that's just icing on the cake so anyways guys i want to thank everybody again one last time all of our sponsors all of our viewers everybody involved in this show remember august 31st a couple of weeks from today we'll be broadcasting live from john forrest racing in brownsburg indiana very exciting all three of us will be there huge shout out to all of our sponsors um, we don't have script reads for everybody, but Stroud Safety, Flow Racing, Redline Synthetic Oils, Elite High Performance. Uh, over my shoulder, you'll see Holly Performance Parts, Sand Haulers of America. Takes an army to pull this deal off, and uh, we appreciate their support. Uh, guys, thanks. This is a good episode, don't you think? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. 270? 270, wow. 270 here for episodes. Oh, wow. Yep, Mike's been here since the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, I've been here since like a week Two, ago. 261. <laughs> well, hey, thank you guys so much. Remember, click like, click share, help us spread the gospel of drag racing. Keep these conversations going. It's it's our responsibility to keep everybody fired up about the sport of drag racing through the week. If you're headed up to Brainerd, Minnesota for the NHRA national event this coming weekend, look me up. I'll be hanging out uh, in or around uh, the pro. I'll be all over place. Um, going up Hopefully there you calm down by then. No, I got you're pretty, you're pretty up on a tire. You're I don't know red. why. What happened? I don't know, man. <laughs> what happened? Espresso shots. Maybe I didn't even drink any espresso. Yeah. You know, I did like? have some pre-workout this morning, but that's, that's a daily it. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was several hours ago, man. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week. All right. Later, y'all. Let me play music.
Oh, I missed the music. Hold on. Don't end the broadcast till I play the music. You want me to sing? Yeah. There we go. (laughs) See y'all.